Hi, this is your host, Will Reed, with the Orange County Homeschoolers Podcast, founder of Champs Universal. I'm here with my wonderful guest. Many of you might know him, Mr. James, here at his lovely office. And I have to say, it is significantly more clean and organized uh, than mine. So thank you for being with me, Mr. James. Oh, of course. I'm glad I can be here with you and uh, be a guest on the show. Yeah, definitely. So before we get into, I guess, what you're doing with included STEM and, and EEE centers, I guess maybe people might want to hear um, your your origin story. You know, if maybe we, we paint you out as like a like a Captain Mr. James kind of. So why don't you go ahead and, and start off with the listeners on, on your origin story? Oh, okay. Uh, never heard. I never thought of it as an origin story, but I like that. Mr. James definitely has an origin story, and I've I've thought about what it is. You know, a long time sleeping. You know, you know, before I go to bed, what is Mr. Origin, Mr. James' origin story? Does he come from another planet? What have you? Uh, well, let's see how close we get to the to reality on that one. Uh, so I uh, came from a very large family. Okay. Uh, so I was born actually in North Carolina, but only lived there for a few years. Uh, so largely raised in Southern California. Okay. Uh, so, so a large family. So you were oldest, youngest, or uh, oldest of eight. So, oldest of eight. That is large. Yes. So I have four sisters and three brothers. Okay. Uh, so uh, a lot of who I am came from that. Taking care of, helping to take care of the family, as, and uh, helping to support the family even as I got older. Okay. So yeah. Okay. So how do you think being the the oldest has has kind of impacted you? I guess t- today, like. Well, uh, it's certain- what might that change if you were the oldest versus if you were the youngest? Ooh, that's hard to say. I think being the oldest, I always had, uh, I just had felt like I took responsibility for everybody else and okay. had to take care of everybody. Mm-hmm. So I guess that uh, affected my philosophy as far as running a business for one. Okay. Uh, but also with my, my, my own family you okay. know, now, and I, you know, kind of, I feel like I've got to take care of everyone. So right. I guess that probably comes from that. I, um, I grew up as a middle child, only uh, of, of three, so I was smack dab in the middle there, uh, and I kind of always felt myself playing the role as the uh, the mediator between everything. I, I don't know if that's the the normal middle child thing. I always kind of saw. I see it though. I could I could see why 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 that would have been the case. Yeah, you know, my my brother, you know, older, always kind of getting into uh, stuff that maybe he shouldn't have been, and me kind of going, "Ooh, I don't want to do that," but always kind of like defending him, and then my sister kind of getting away with everything and so that kind of I guess kind of plays out as being a middle child and being forgotten and funny enough my, my whole family has all moved to Arizona I'm the only one left here and so I guess that's middle child you know syndrome I've, I feel abandoned uh, um, that's funny actually my most gosh I think now that I'm thinking about it all of my siblings all live relatively close by here in Southern California so okay uh, so everyone's kinda, still close. Yeah, kind of weird because you would think with eight that there'd be more. Someone spread, would right? there'd been more spread, but someone would at least depart somewhere else, given right. how California is. Yeah, it has been from time to time. Like even I've ventured out of state, but then I don't know. We always end up back over here. It's it's the weather. Yeah, <laughs> it's the weather. You can't go anywhere else and not suffer from cold or extreme heat or a tornado or a hurricane or something. Yeah. Uh, it has it has to be the weather. So, um, it can't be the politics. No, <laughs> no, we will suffer through the politics as long as we have our bright, sunshiny days. Right. Uh, so, question um, uh, were, were you public schooled, homeschooled? How was your, your upbringing in, in school? 
Uh, definitely, it was uh, we, it was public school the whole way. So uh, traditional public school uh, where we all went. Uh, actually, have to say, I did not know even really know about homeschool until within the last few years. Okay. Now. So as a kid, we didn't really didn't really know about it. So it was traditional public school, and uh, uh, unfortunately, I. I can't say it was a good experience for my for me. Uh, I did not enjoy it, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, odd thing is, is I was actually good at it. So oh. I was very good at school. I just I hated it. I didn't like being there. I didn't feel like the instructors cared if I was there. Okay, I didn't care about being there. And uh, by the time I was in high school, I was working full time, and I went to school to sleep. Got it. You know, wake Got me up. Wake me up for the tests. Wake me up for the test. Right. I'll I'll do good on the test. Yep. Do Do you think that maybe the for the public school part of the issue might have been you weren't challenged? Uh, I think so. At I, your... I would say at the time I wouldn't have. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. But if I look back, that's probably the case because I'd get a test. For me, looking at it, it, just seemed like it was all common sense. I'm like, right? Doesn't everybody know this? And so I complete the ace the test so i passed all my classes but no homework no schoolwork no studying just on tests right because you just show up to the test why would i need to do the homework isn't the point of the homework to help me on the test that i'm acing in your case exactly so yeah i never felt challenged didn't feel interested in anything that was being how about how about um in the the social dynamic of school like was was that an enjoyable thing or a difficult thing or something you were just not interested in uh, I largely not interested. Okay. Uh, I can't say it was unenjoyable. I just didn't interact with a lot of the other students. I think I felt like I was in a bit of a different space. I okay. Guess. Uh, it, by the time I was in high school, my friends were more at work. Okay. So I had friends from work, mm-hmm. but not at school. It's funny because I actually had friends at work who actually went to the same schools but I didn't know them from there, oh. and we didn't even interact at school. Do, do you think that maybe like your interaction at school, you, you didn't necessarily need to talk or, or have friends at school because you, you had such a large family. You had everybody at home that you were more engaged with socially. Hmm. I didn't think about that, but uh, I could see that potentially being the case. Okay. Yeah. And I, then I just felt like a lot of like I didn't relate to them. They wouldn't relate to me, and okay. uh, it just wasn't... Uh, I, I guess just the way of socializing at school was different. It felt it's kind of based less off mature. It's it's also just kind of based off. I happen to be your friend because I'm sitting next to you. Yes. Not because there's anything that we're we're doing in common other than just this thing that you specifically aren't liking, right? Right. It wasn't a shared interest. Whereas mm-hmm. at work, well, we're we're working. We're sharing those experiences there. There we there was more commonality. The the both of you are. Uh, you're interested in in moving your life forward from a, a monetary perspective and, and getting your your feet wet in the business world. Correct. So that's right. that's where your interest is coming from, and you can yes. bond over that. Okay, that's that's making sense to me. So, how about what, what are your interests other than work and and business? Or is Mister James into uh, you know uh, jumping out of airplanes or what have you? Or what what other interests do you might have if people I, might not know? I would say airplanes definitely a no. Okay. Uh, I I've always said if an airplane's in imminent danger of crashing, mm-hmm. I will put on a parachute and jump out of the airplane. Okay. Uh, otherwise, I will stay in my seat with the seatbelt buckled. Uh, but uh, other interests, uh, for one, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. 
Okay. So, uh, huge Star Wars nerd, even. All right. I even go to the conventions and stuff. Oh, so I, fantastic. I, I'm all do, in. Do you dress up as well? Um, I have dressed up. I do have, it's incomplete, but I do have my uh, Mandalorian uh, costume, my cosplay. Oh, so how fun. I Custom helmet and everything. I just took my uh, nephew for his birthday to Disneyland. And before we went, I asked him, what, what was the one thing that you wanted to do at Disneyland? He said, meet Goguru. And I was like, oh, I don't even know if that's possible. Oddly enough, um, it was. And we met him and he came up and uh, we got pictures with him. And he was wearing like a, like a Mandalorian Goguru uh, t-shirt on. And he, the Mando uh, actually called him up in front of some other kids. And Amazing. we were able, he was like, oh, like way to support the creed and called him up in front of three other students. And then we got pictures and then he, uh, he like walked away. He, he had uh, something else to do. So he, he didn't have time for the other students because, you know, man, he's got business, right? Of he's he's got to save the galaxy, what have you. That's fantastic. Um, okay. So Star Wars, do, do you have a favorite, um, a favorite Star Wars episode? And I'm, I'm definitely going to judge you based off which which is your favorite movie which is my favorite movie so actually it's a very popular choice is uh the empire strikes back it's the best choice episode episode four or i'm sorry uh, five, five right yeah episode five uh is the best and it was actually groundbreaking because it was one of the first movies at least big movies mm -hmm. where they they didn't build up the story before the battle it started with the big battle right yeah it starts uh, with them scene, they're blasting each other in snow right they're, like the big battle scene led the movie which was uh fairly groundbreaking at the time yeah so that um that movie is is fantastic uh i'm glad that you said that one i i was like 99.9 percent .9 sure that that was the one you were going to choose uh i suppose uh, a new hope or return of the jedi would have been fine choices yeah. uh but that's the that's the correct one it's even like rated on a lot of things as the best movie of all time it's it's very high up there on just about every list uh as far as best movies of all time you know any top 100 or whatever it's right up there towards the towards the mm -hmm. top so um you have a mandalorian outfit uh is is mandalorian your your favorite star wars character no uh, no, and in fact, I had actually had started on that, even though I've never finished it. So mm -hmm. One of those works in progress that'll always probably be a work in progress. Oh, there's so many of those. Yes. So, uh, but I actually started that well before the Mandalorian TV show, before oh. it was even a thing. Okay. Uh, I was, I was very impressed with the, uh, the story of the Mandalorians overall, okay. right? Their their culture. Mm -hmm. There's actually some books. Uh, if anybody's interested in it, I highly suggest they check it out by Karen Travis. She did a series of stories for Star Wars that uh, really delved into the Mandalorian court culture. Super good books. Yeah. Very, very good and uh, really enjoyed it. So I really dove into that history of the Mandalorian. So, so what what um might be like maybe one aspect of Mandalorian culture that uh, was calling to you? You know what? Actually, I think it is that... Uh, blood is nothing oh. family is what you make it it's family, what you what you choose right it's what you choose family is who chooses you and who you choose okay and i i'm a firm believer in that like, okay. i have a large family but uh family is so much more than that is mm -hmm. the people who support you and care about you and who you support and care about right so family is what you build okay and i really appreciated that with the mandalorian uh mandalorian culture in that 
they would find a you know a youngling as they would call him a child right. and adopt them as family and they were just as much family as if it was a blood relation right it, it was there's no distinction okay i can i can kind of relate to that because uh my core group of friends that i i have right now i have had for i'm gonna probably get the the age wrong on the years because it's been so long you're since gonna, high school what say, is that it's like gonna, 15 20 so years now? now yeah uh so maybe 15 or 20 years i don't know um maybe i don't want to say um and I've, I've had these eight guys that entire time and uh, always making the choice to be there when they needed me or I, you know, I needed them. They're always making that choice. Um, and they're family. Yes. They're, and that's that's how we call ourselves. We, we consider ourselves, uh, you know, brothers and, and family. We make the choice to be there very much like you're talking about with with the Mandalorian. And I, I'm sure you have a circle of friends who you guys all make an effort to be there to choose. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you, you have those people who in your life that you know, if something were to happen, no ma they would drop every single thing to be there for you. Yeah. That's what family is. Right. And sometimes it's not blood relation. Right. Sometimes it is, but not always. So to me, that's not the most important thing. Right. Because family is, and that's not necessarily blood. Because blood relation is kind of, again, back to that proximity of circumstance as where Correct. those other people are the people who are choosing to be with you. Absolutely. So, okay. So that's what you like about Mandalorian culture. Um, if you had a, a Star Wars character that you saw yourself as the most. Oh, goodness. Oh, I haven't even thought of that before. That's a great question. Oh, gosh. Um, so there's... There is one, and this is going to be. Most people are not going to know this character. Okay, so it's from one of the books. So it's from one of the books. Okay, uh, the what they consider the legends now. So it's yeah, not, they used to be con like considered a uh, canon, and but and they're they're not they're anymore. not anymore. Okay, so this is one the uh, the Jedi is Ganner Rysode. Okay, and so very flawed, a flawed person, but who tries to do the right thing. So he's and, he's in the end does the right thing sacrifices himself to save others but because we all have things we've done in the past we've made we all make mistakes right. we're imperfect beings mm -hmm. so uh you know we always try to do our best and right. leave a lasting positive impact on in the world that we live in okay and i i saw that in him you know not imperfections in the same way but just that he was in imperfect and ultimately decide he's struggling he's struggling with his imperfections to do good and ultimately did the right thing and saved the day awesome and it was it was a hero because of it and so right. we all want to be a hero in yes. the end and so i guess that i guess in that regard okay I would say all right uh was there a specific book that like uh I'm, I'm assuming he's probably in a couple different books. Was there a specific one that, you know, you developed your um, your interest in that particular character? Uh, well, so I, I won't be able to tell you the exact book, but it was in a specific series. Okay. And this was in the, uh, uh, it was during the Yuuzhan Vong uh, Oh, they're the... So um... There's like 13. They There's like, like come 13, in 14 books. They in come this in like series. like what is it like almost like earth ships or something like that, and they have a like a uh, some kind of like snake weapon that can like block lightsabers. Is that yes? Okay. So they exist outside the force. Okay. So uh, they can't be detected in the force, and uh, which makes it hard for the Jedi to fight them. Okay. Because they're used to being able to sense 
their opponents in the force. They're like one of the ultimate villains, essentially, because they're outside of their own abilities. Exactly. And so, but yeah, everything they do is like living type weapons uh, and living uh, even ships. So they're it. actually like living organisms that they can fly and, okay. and stuff. Awesome. All right. I think we have a, a better... Um, idea of uh, mr james's origin story now that my, my, and my depths of nerddom oh yeah <laughs> yes uh you know I, I love star wars um my favorite has always been uh star trek and you know that debate has been uh gone on forever so we don't necessarily have to have it here today i love star trek though so i'm still a fan right i just give the no, you have star a, wars you have a, my you have preference a, you have a preference and and i think that's uh that's okay and oddly enough the two of them have been able to um survive because of each other I think so. Yes. yes. Um, and I, I think there used to be a lot of, uh, you know, that, I guess, uh, you know, Star Wars versus Star Trek. And I think it's coming along to, like, they're different, uh, but they have their own stuff if you have a specific interest. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. No, I love Star I love Star Trek. Star Trek is, is, is a fantastic, uh, fantastic franchise. So, um, moving on from Mr. James's origin story and, and moving on from entering into that adult business world that I think you've kind of said that you were kind of into very early on. Um, how did we end up into entrepreneurship opposed to, I suppose, the typical American corporate world? Um, I think so. Growing up, I, I always saw myself, uh, being an entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneur, I wanted okay. to own a business. I, okay. You know, and uh, so, I didn't have a specific area in which I knew I was going to do that. I just knew that's where I wanted to go. Okay. Wh why then? Why? Why entrepreneurship? I think because I saw with my with my parents, obviously having eight kids, we, yeah, we struggled financially, mm -hmm. and you know there were many times my mom or my dad were both working. They were both working, right? Sometimes working two jobs. Yeah, and just seeing that they never had time for themselves. They, yeah. It was all, uh, I hate to use the word slave because that's, that's a strong word, but a, like a slave to the job. Right, okay. In a way that they didn't have choices. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I wanted to feel like at least, even if I was working those same hours, that it was my choice to do it. It's your choice because I suppose you could wake up and say, I'm not going to go. And then you have to deal with the consequences of, of what that relates to opposed to someone above you choosing what your consequence is. Right. I always saw myself as, as, as doing it and that way I could do what I was what I would enjoy doing. I didn't mm -hmm. know what it would be necessarily, but and you've had that, it would be that. You've had that all along. Yes. So for, for me in my experiences, um, I, I kind of had the idea that I, I didn't want to go into the normal realm of how everybody else was operating. But I, I didn't even have the idea of entrepreneurship. Like that the idea of starting my own business and doing my own thing, honestly, like it, it didn't even hit me until I guess I was literally doing it. Uh, because I feel like in public school that is not ever presented as a as an option. No, not not typically. It's like if you don't go to college, you'll die. If you don't get your college degree, you're literally gonna just die in the middle of the street, like spontaneously, like spontaneously combust like that's the way i envision it It was like i don't want to do that so i don't know what i'm going to do i guess i'm just gonna explode one day in the street because i don't want to do that well it was pushed as like the only option like it's a necessity right and stuff and i i guess maybe looking back i i know my my mom in particular uh like when you were riding in the car she listened to a lot of talk radio so okay. maybe you know that tends to be a little more um 
uh, cons- uh, conservative thinking typically. Yeah. And um, also a little more uh, business friendly. Business you know? friendly. And, yeah. And so I, maybe those some of those ideas maybe stem from there too. Yeah. I, I, I can't say for sure. But. You know, so I was always kind of like, I guess I have to do that because it's my only option. And something happened with, with my mom. She had always worked as a, a general manager at a particular company where you, uh, you eat pizza and play video games. Uh, which is basically what my after-school care was. And um, at one point, they kind of went through and got rid of all of the old managers that had been there and getting really good bonuses because they didn't want to pay them the bonuses anymore. At least that's how I understood it. And I was like, I don't want anyone to have that control over me. So um, I was like, that's not what I'm going to do. And then that's kind of when I started to develop the idea of I'm going to do my own thing, whatever that might be. And if I fail, it's my fault and no one else's because I guess I, I want to be in control, right? Right. No, and, and that makes it you feel like you're, you're wh- whether it's highs or lows, you're steering the ship. Yeah. So where did you take that? Where did you steer your entrepreneurship first? Uh, so very early on, uh, I had actually started a limousine slash taxi company, and uh, uh, which was quite the venture. Okay, uh, we did that. Uh, did that in uh, South Orange County, actually. All so, right. Uh, in you know uh, Dana Point, San Clemente, Laguna, uh, Laguna Hill. Uh, sorry, Laguna Beach, uh, Laguna Niguel, and San Juan Capistrano was kind of our Your area. area. Okay. And uh, the idea behind it was we purchased uh, older model limousines and we uh, basically priced our trips at taxi rates while not being an actual taxi company. Right, you're a, you could get a limo for the rate of a taxi. Right, so our okay. slogan was, why go yellow when you can go in style for the same price? I like it. It sounds like a good idea. Right, so that's so we did and it blew up. Like we were in there, uh, actually found out what aggressive competition is like because... Ah. Taxi drivers and companies did not like us. Of course not. Of course uh, so not. we got some cars vandalized here mm. and there. Uh, but uh, we were doing fairly well. Uh, my and, and as well as what we were doing, obviously, first business venture, it did not all go as planned. Of we course not. No, no plan ever, um, I suppose, survives first blood, as they say, in battle yes. and war, right? Right. So it we... Yeah, we we made a good go of it. Ultimately, after about a year, we ended up closing and um, having to sell everything off. Uh, I, but looking back, I could see, okay, I should have done this differently. I should have done that differently. And I learned from those failures. Like, you know, I think that's that's an important part of life. So it, it's something that if if given the opportunity to go back, you would you would do it again because it's worth the learning. Correct. It's worth yes. the education of doing it. Right. And it was, there were some painful lessons there, especially financially. At of the course. Time. Yeah. You know, I mean, I ended up getting a bankruptcy out of it, you know, but sometimes you have to do that and then you learn from it because then you learn, okay, I'm not going to make that mistake again. Right. You have to be willing to be a little risky or calculated risk. Uh, you know, yes. something that I've always kind of said is um, not all good ideas work. And not all bad ideas don't work. If you kind of think of like a pet rock, what a dumb idea that is. But I guess it worked, right? Right. It's very true. So sometimes it's a great idea in theory, but then in practice, it just didn't work out. Yeah. So, you know, your your story there kind of models me. I actually started um, a gardening company as my first company. And um, my idea was everybody wants fresh fruit. 
Everyone wants to have their own tomatoes in their backyard, but no one wants to do the work to do it. So I'm going to come and have like build you an amazing like organic garden in your backyard that's like super duper amazing. I'm going to come once a week and take care of it. Uh, and people love the idea, but no one wanted to sign up. We would have people who like wanted to build, like they were like, come build my garden bed. I was like, yeah, but like you have to then sign up for the weekly service that no one wanted to do that. And I was like, but... and then of course, after, you know, I build the garden bed, I plant it for them. Then they're like, oh yeah, could you come take it out? Because we don't want it anymore and we're not doing it. I'm like, well, if you just had me there every week, then I would have, you would have had fresh fruits and fresh stuff every, every week. But, uh, I, I don't know. Like I said, I thought it was a good idea, but it just didn't work out. Right. Uh, it, it, sometimes it's, it depends on timing too, timing and place, right? right? Time and place for certain ideas. And yes. They, it, somewhere else that may have been like the idea that would have taken off. Right. And, and, and sometimes technology kind of plays a, um, a part in it. I'm kind of thinking, you know, maybe how your, your, the limo business might've done if you were able to kind of have like a, like a Uber limo app or something like that. Right. Yes. So technology, which is time, I suppose, and, and market. Okay, so your first first business is um, the limo. Uh, you know, why go yellow when, when you could just be in a limo? So then how did we end up from that and move into, um, I guess, education? Right. So um, it was a bit of a process. Uh, I didn't go immediately from one to the other. So I, I learned for one that I needed to increase my knowledge. Okay. So I started to... Uh, knowing that ultimately I was going to start my own business again, mm -hmm. not knowing what it was going to be, but I knew I there's things I need to learn along the way. Mm -hmm. uh, so I started working in sales. Okay. As I'm like, you know what? I want to get good at sales. So I did. I worked for various different things. I've sold RVs. It's it's I've, it's funny that you say sales because I, I go back to the gardening thing and I'm like, I guess my one problem with it was the sales. And now here you are at limo, and now you're in sales. Oddly enough, I ended up selling some sheet metal for a while right. after that didn't work out. So, okay, go ahead. You're in sales now. Right. So in sales, learning very, very valuable skills, mm -hmm. you know, communication skills, presenting skills, all these things to, you know, building rapport with people, you know, immediately learning how to talk to yes. people. That is a, such an important skill. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I've sold everything from like uh, motor homes, uh, even to craftmatic beds oh. like the adjustable beds in home sales uh you know large presentations to large groups one-on-one -on -one, everything in between i was in an a skill gathering phase okay and i found i was actually good at it so i was very very good at sales uh so i did that for a while moved into management positions and uh did the whole corporate thing running large teams of salespeople. Uh, for whole divisions of companies. And I ran into, uh, it's funny because when you were talking about what happened to your mom, yeah. it, I was, it, that's what happened to me. I, uh, I, I was running a division that was dying. I was their last ditch effort. Mm -hmm. We went in there, doubled the sales the first year, doubled it again the second year. And what I didn't know is they were doing it. I made it attractive for them to sell off distributorship oh, to somebody else. So they sold it to somebody else. And eliminated my position. Everything that I had put into it, gone overnight. And uh, I was like, what? Yeah. And that's where I realized, you know what? Okay, 
back to plan A. Yeah. For, so for a minute, it was like, this is going so good. I, I guess I don't need plan A. This is working right. out. Right. Because it was doing well. I was I was making, I enjoyed sales. Right. And I made really good money doing it. I was good at it. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to mess with what well, what's going. a good thing, right? Like, right. why why mess up a good thing? Okay. Right. So I started doing that, and then I thought, well, afterwards, the job market was so poor at that time. It okay. It was uh, in the middle of the uh, uh, Obama presidency when the, when the job market just went, just crashed. So okay. you had 200 people applying for one position. Yeah. And the first thing they did to whittle down... The applicants. Of course, I know what you're about to say. If you don't have a degree, we don't even look at you. <sighs> so I couldn't even get an interview. I knew if I could get in and talk to somebody. You could have sold them. I'd have gotten the job. But they wouldn't even talk to me because I didn't have that degree. So I was looking. Maybe it's time to look at something different. Okay. And so I had always said that. Uh, I could do this education thing better. Okay. And stuff. And I know we haven't talked on that too much, you know, but, and why I thought that. But uh, I always thought that, and it was time to put up or shut up. Okay. So, so. you, you know, you, you're kind of the, the gatekeeper is this, uh, the golden, golden ticket of uh, the college degree. Yep. And now you're going, I could do it better than that. Right. Okay. Because I was looking at it, you know, at that point I had, uh, you know, I have three adult boys, so okay. you know, so they had all gone. They had gone through the traditional public school route because mm -hmm. I didn't know about other options. Right, it's just they don't tell you. No, of course they and, don't tell you that there's other options. There's one option that's your, you know, that's, that's the it. one you're gonna like. That's the one, and you're. This is your zip code. This is where you go. Yeah. You, oh, oh, it doesn't work for you. Too bad. That's where you got to go. Mm -hmm. You're and, a cookie cutter human. There, that's where you fit. Exactly. And, okay. And. And my boys were not cookie cutter humans. So my oldest is on the spectrum mm -hmm. and number two has ADHD, like poster child ADHD. You okay. Know, you know, he's the one that you could put on the poster for that. And uh, we went to battle with the, in IEP meetings. Like you, you, you actually start putting on armor. You're like, you're ready to go to war because you know they're going to fight you on every little thing. And you're there to to battle for your your son, your your right. your children. So you're yeah, to I understand. Advocate for them and stuff. And it was amazing to me just the simplest little things that they would say no to. Just as simple as, uh, you know, my son. He, the, I, we got a report back. He's not, you know he's got his grades are down because he's not turning in his homework. Well, I know he did his homework because I sat there doing it with him. Right. Well, it was still in his backpack. Uh, okay. And. You know, kids with ADHD, a lot of people know this, their their backpack is a black hole. If it goes in, it never comes back out. Yep. And so it was in his IEP. Ask him if he turned in his homework. Okay. And they refused. Right. He knows where the basket is to turn it in. Yes, he knows where the basket is. Take two seconds out of your day and just ask him if he turned it in. Right. He'll, he'll get it out and he'll turn it in. Uh -huh. you, it was the simple little things like that that they refused. And I'm like, why would you get into educating kids if you can't do the simplest little things for them? Right. And so it was it was so frustrating. They hated the experience as yeah. well. And so uh, I always look back. If I gosh, if I had known then what I know now, oh, the, the, totally different, right? It would have been so different for them. Like I feel like I failed because I didn't know about these options. Mm -hmm. And so um, I always said there's a better way of doing it. So that's where it was like. 
put up or shut up. You know what? Time for a career change. And I wasn't even thinking business at that point. Okay. At that point, I was like, well, you know what? If they want a degree, let's do it. So I enrolled, 40 years old, going into college now, dual major in elementary education and special education, because I'm going to go in there and change the world. Okay. And what I found, uh, I guess, I I almost want to say shocked me, but in hindsight, it really doesn't because we see the results. Yeah. And that was, I'm sitting there taking these classes and again, maybe 40 years old, already have kids gone through the system and everything, but it was a bunch of busy work. Yeah. I, back, back to not challenging you again. Right. I was like, no difference. Right. I was even just, at the university level. Exactly. I'm like, I'm supposed to be learning something new here. And you're paying for it. Right. A so, lot of money. Exactly. I found out very quickly that the reason why we have such a problem in our education system is because many of them, they had an abundance of time and money and got a piece of paper. Yes. And that's why they're there. Not mm-hmm. because they have any particular skills to to teach. Mm-hmm. They went through a bunch of nonsense to 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 get this piece of paper. To and me, now they, um, they get a free career out of it. I uh, I always kind of think of the degree as a degree in willing to do exactly what we tell you when we tell you, exactly when and how we tell you. Just and you're really good at just listening to us is what it's a degree in. And if I think corporate world. Well, what does the corporate world really want you to be able to do? Do they want you to raise your things. hand and question them when they tell you a specific thing? Probably not. They just want you to do exactly what they tell you. We said to do it this way, so just do it. Right. And no that, questions asked. Right. And I, and I saw that. There were so many times where, because I had experience, especially when we started talking about IEPs, I'm like, no, been there. <laughs> I, 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 I guarantee I've been to more IEP meetings than the instructor in the class. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, this is how the typical experience is. And that's not the answers they want to hear. Yeah. To a, to a certain degree, there's always, what is it? The, the ideal of how something functions, which is what they're teaching at the schools. Right. And then there's the real time actual functionality of how that actual business world or actual education thing is actually being implemented at the real ground level. Exactly. Yes. And and sometimes those those professors have no idea what that is. No. There's because they're 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 teaching. That's that's the the um that's all in the headspace. It's not in reality zone. Right. They've never they haven't actually maybe lived it, but mm-hmm. at least not from the other side of it. Yeah. Okay. You know? So um uh as I was doing that, I started like well Maybe I should get some practical classroom experience. Right? Okay. So I started just working part-time, doing some after-school programs, you know, STEM-related stuff. Now, my background was not in STEM, other than the little bit maybe I got in school. Mm-hmm. So i never done robotics or video games, none of that stuff. So uh, it was all new to me, but I can learn. Of That's course. That's where I started actually learning new skills. Was I, it, was do, it was doing that. Actually being, from, here's the material, teach the kids, and you're like, okay, I'm going to have figure out how to teach it to them so it's fun or what have you. Right. And I was just thrown in. Like, mm-hmm. like here's the material. Just go do it. I'm like, well, I've never done this before, but I figured it out. So I figured it out, figured out how I can present that's, this. Uh, that's really interesting because um, I um, I ended up working at a, uh, a Boy Scout outdoor education center, mm-hmm. uh, you know, teaching sixth grade. And um, to a certain degree, it was like, uh, there is the group of, students and you're gonna have to go hike them up a mountain i'm like well where's where's the mountain they're like that one i'm like well where's the trail and you're kind of just thrown in 
And, and to a certain degree, you kind of start off maybe frustrated because they don't tell you everything. But I think my, um, my boss at the time, she was, she was really wonderful. She, she hired people that she knew could do the job who were smart and could ask questions and critically think. And she's like, look, the trail's over there. You're going to figure it out. You're smart. You'll get there. If at worst, just radio to us and we'll, we'll come pick you up. Uh, and that was how a lot of this stuff happened. And you just, the, the people who can't do it didn't make it. Right. So the only people she has left are the people who can hack it. And then we would go, all right, let's get the, uh, the more expertise. And we would then do like a, a group lesson with all of the instructors and stuff like that. So, okay. Yeah. So you're now working robotics and stuff as an instructor. Right. So after school programs at, at the traditional public schools. Okay. You know, so, uh, but I'm like, let me get some classroom experience, fine tuning my classroom management skills, my presentation skills, which that those that sales experience came in super handy. Yeah. For that, I think every every teacher should be taking sales training because to a certain degree, you're you're selling to the students why they should know this. Right. They have to buy it. They, they have to buy it. If they don't buy into it, then it's like talking to a wall. And that's and, and that's they're sales. Gonna be bored, and they're not going to want to be there. And then uh, w- one thing I always kind of talk about with uh, sometimes not so much the the younger kids, but when you start getting into maybe the uh, upper upper elementary and the junior high and definitely the high school you're talking to them about something and you're you're they're like well why do i need to know this and you could tell them why they need to know this and they're like well if i ever do need to know it it's on my cell phone so why do i need you and so you kind of have to have a reason a reason why um and so i actually sometimes even tell the kids like i know you could look this up on a cell phone um, but it's fun, so let's do it. And that's kind of where I, I come from. Of it's fun to know this. I see. I love that you said that because I always say like, children nowadays have all the information in the world on yes. that cell phone, and many of them have a cell phone. Yep. But are they act? Do they want to? Are they actively seeking out the information? Our job as instructors, as teachers, is to instill a love of learning yes. in them, and then they'll seek out the information they need. And hopefully the right information. Right. Also teaching them to critically think too. Yeah. You know, is this where? What's the source of this information? Is could there be motivation behind providing mm-hmm. it? Let me delve further, and Would, that way they can right. develop their own opinions. Their own on, opinions. On critically think about it. Yes. And and I think if we go back maybe a hundred years, and you didn't have a cell phone, and and books are not as uh, prevalent at, at a library, you might have needed those instructors who. Maybe they were boring or, or what have you, but they just knew everything. Yep. And so you needed them, but that's not the case anymore. So the whole idea of what a teacher is, what an educator, what an education, uh, uh, what a person who teaches does is completely different. It is. It, it Because it, it doesn't fill the same gap of being the knowledge source. It's, no, it's, it, it, now it needs to be a source of inspiration. Mm-hmm. That's what more it needs to be, uh, in a positive influence a push right not necessarily providing everything but pushing them to seek out the information for themselves right and and to think about it critically right and then if, even if they don't learn everything if they one learn a love for learning and then they learn where they can look for it and like you said actually look at the information and be able to discern whether this is good information bad information yep. does it have a perspective on it what might that perspective be they can, you know, whatever they do in the future, they'll be able to learn and figure it out. Yes, they'll be well served by that. Mm-hmm. 
And so, yeah, so I'm doing these after school classes and finally they said, hey, you know what? There's this church and there's some, there's classes there. It's a group of homeschool kids that are there and they want us to do this robotics class. Okay. You know, it's kind of weird, but do you want to do it? I'm like, sure, I'll, I'll give it a shot, you know? So I went and it was such a difference, the kids in there. First off, it was a wider grade range. Okay. Which, you know, we're always conditioned to think, oh, you have to separate every grade, you know. Which doesn't make any sense because that's not the real world. Exactly. So seeing it there, oh, we got second graders and sixth graders in the same room and they don't care. Amazing. Yeah, it's weird that they don't care. Right. They don't care. There was no one was bullying each other Mm -hmm. and they were eager to be there. They were excited to be in the class at the whole at the whole place and it was such a difference from what i was experiencing in the after school programs i was like wow by the second week i had decided i'm all in yeah this this is where education changes i'm all in so i life savings everything i'm buying equipment i everything putting together programs and stuff and that's where i'm like i'm all in let's do it so that's where started the company and off to the races. So that's uh, that's when uh, included education comes into the picture. Right. So I started there, um, include education, going and starting uh, enrichment programs. And we started with uh, a few campuses, came approved with uh, as a vendor with uh, charter schools. Okay. Uh, combination of, of knowing the right people, too, who I had impressed as an instructor. Yeah. They're like, oh, yes, you need to be doing this. I will help you out. Right. So getting some guidance from some key people. Um, and... From there, just, uh, I mean, we just exploded. Like, I started uh, April of 2018, getting ready, did a couple of summer programs, getting my feet wet with mm-hmm. it, and then for the for that fall semester, 400 enrollments. Nice. Awesome. And so, immediately now, I'm hiring new inst- hiring right. instructors right from the start. You're like, instead of just developing the classes and teaching, now you're totally in the business field of it, of hiring people. Right. You know, while at the same time teaching, too. Right. So, we're... So I'm in there, and uh, what I found very early on was that finding the right people for the job meant finding the right personalities. Yeah. And their reasons for being there. Mm-hmm. Why do they want to do this? I can teach an instructor how to do robotics. Right. You know, so a lot of them, they'll get intimidated. I've never done robotics before. I did not either until I started teaching it. Trust me, I'll give you more training than I got. Mm-hmm. But if you have the, I can't teach somebody how to have a personality. I can't teach somebody how how to be passionate the, about being there. Right. That's that's the same thing that I, I find when you know I, I talk to people who uh, to teach an archery class. They're like, I've never done archery. I have no idea how to do archery. I'm like, it's not about knowing archery, right? We're we're not teaching an Olympic. We're not teaching someone who's going to the Olympics today. We're we're teaching a first grader how to just be safe on an archery field and and shoot some some bows and arrows and have fun. And have fun. Right. So the the thing is not the archery that's the hard part to teach you. I can teach you that. Like you're saying, I could teach you the robotics. But if you don't have a personality who wants to work with kids and loves working with kids, yeah. I, I can't help you. Right. They got to have, they have to have, uh, I have to be able to envision that person in front of one of my classes. 
Right. And they may not do it in exactly the same style that I do. No, but, of, of but, course not, because they're going to have their own personality. Right. And to a but certain they degree... they have to have energy. Mm-hmm. They have to have... They have to be willing to make silly faces. Yes. They, they can't take themselves too seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I'm teaching a class, I'm very animated. Mm-hmm. You know, my facial expressions, my uh, the tone of my voice goes all over the place. As, yeah. Yes, you, you're keeping a, an interesting tone exactly. for the kids to, to I guess, kind of go on an adventure with, even on your voice. Exactly. That's So it's all about those little things. And if I can find the right person, I can teach them any class to, to, to teach. Yep. You know, I've said even at, at, at this point, they can almost, I can take any curriculum. It can mm-hmm. be a subject I've never seen before. I'll look at it a little bit and then like, okay, let's do a class because I'm going to make it fun and yep. people are going to love it and they're going to want to come back. And so I try to, the, the that's the struggle is finding those instructors yeah. that can do that. That want to teach in kind of an unorthodox way and yes. be fun. Absolutely. And bring their own their their own personalities and their own skills to well, it. Cause as well, cuz when they when they're bringing their own personality to it and their own loves or whatever, if, you know, whatever they might be teaching, if they're teaching robotics, if they can then equate that to uh, oh, do you remember like R2D2 in episode whatever and and they can bring that to the kids, they're like, "Oh, you like Star Wars too?" Yeah, I like Star Wars. Let's talk uh, about robots absolutely. and R2D2. We can bring that in. And yes. then also being willing to like I always love when a a, a kid has like a t-shirt on that has something that I know about, like, oh, they got a Minecraft t-shirt on, I'll be like, oh, you, you, you do Minecraft? Tell me, like, what is your favorite thing to build? And, you know, some of those kids have a, a shyness, and if you can talk to them about something they're interested in, absolutely, you can then move them into what you might be teaching that day and how it's related, because so many things are related to other things, and sometimes kids don't know that. Right, That's, absolutely. So, okay, so you've got included ed it's it's doing amazing um obviously every business we've talked about with the the limos has its its highs but then it also has its its lows what are maybe some struggles that you have had to deal with when it comes to um included ed and well for one i think it's one that everybody struggled with for a little while uh that was with the covid yeah so that was interesting um i think uh well, I think it's a testament to the effectiveness of homeschooling mm-hmm. and, and the programs in that, uh, like we found out on a Thursday that we're not doing next week. We can't do in-person classes anymore. Right. And so I got my instructors together and said, on Monday, we're going virtual. Let's figure it out. Right. And we did. Mm-hmm. You know, was everything perfect? No. Of course not. But we were able to continue with the programs uh, to the best of our ability and more people stayed with us and stuff. So we were able to survive through COVID where uh, some of my competitors in the same space did not. Right. They ended up closing because they they weren't able to. They adapt. couldn't make a quick adjustment. Right. And mm-hmm. I and uh, credit to my instructors too for being so amazing with that. Like they were on it. They did what they needed to do as well because they believed in it too. You know, we really have a good team. Yeah, I have. They um... jumped on it. You know, I, I've uh, had conversations and, and seen a couple of your classes with your instructors. You definitely know how to pick uh, a good team. Oh, and um, so, like, bravo to you for that because that's that's definitely hard um, to, to kind of figure out that personality like you were talking about. So Right. Well, and I credit, you know, a lot of that, too, is just from uh, my experience. And, ha- and, and it's probably a good thing that I didn't just have the one business and only stayed running my own business right mm-hmm. from the beginning. It benefited me going into the corporate world 
because I saw what bad bosses were like. Yes. And which, you know, what did I like about what they did? What did I not like? Mm -hmm. And so I try to be a good boss. <laughs> I, I want my people to be happy where they're at. Well, because if they're happy, then they're going to go ahead and put their, uh, you know, their best foot forward for the students. And then in relation, that means you as well. Of course. So they, they really do go above and beyond for me mm -hmm. and for the students. Uh, I, we're more of a family. Yeah. You know, I know we've talked about family earlier, but, but more of like a family. We can joke around together. They're not afraid to come to me with, with problems. Yeah. Maybe and they so, have like a, like a personal issue. They can come to you and you guys can figure it out together. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. You know, and I, probably some of it, my age as well. They can yeah. see me as a mm -hmm. bit of a, more of a mentor person in, in that regard that they can come and talk to. Uh, but it, anything they have, they can come to me with. They don't feel like, Oh gosh, I can't talk to the boss. Right. Can't talk so to the there's boss. Some distance there. Yeah. I know that. What is it in, in America, corporate America for a very long time, the idea has been, um, the customer first. And I think one of the new ideas that has been coming out the last few years is actually it's it's not the customer first. It's not the customer's always right. It's actually a lot of companies, they say this, I don't know if they're doing it, uh, but it's something I, I try to do. And it, it sounds like it's what you're doing, which is um, employees first. It because, has, to be, has to be team first. Because if it's your team, your employees first, then they're going to go ahead and do their job, which is to put the customer first because they're not upset at you or upset with the situation. So if you can, you know, keep your employees happy and they're, you know, satisfied and they're getting what they need from uh, a position or a job, then they're going to go ahead and be doing what you need them to be, which is an amazing team. Right. Everybody benefits. So, uh, you know, it's putting them first, not at the expense of the, of the, the customer, no, but, no, but really putting the attention, like, uh, if, if I, if I can't service my, my team, right. Then I'm not going to have a team to service the customers. Yes. So I have to take care of my team first and I do that to the best of my ability and kind of like um certainly ways i wish i could do more right and hopefully one day we will yeah kind of like on an airplane they always tell you to put your uh your breathing mask on first yes it's kind yes. of that idea i don't i don't know it just kind of uh, popped into my head actually that's a great analogy you're always supposed to put your own oxygen mask on first before you help your child because you're not helping anybody if you yourself pass out you right know, if you're so. on the floor uh you're done and you can't help no one right, right. okay all right. So included, Ed, that's some challenges. Are there any other like meaningful challenges you've you've uh, been able to overcome that kind of come to mind? Other than you know, I think we all faced COVID in uh, a plethora of different ways. Um, sometimes good, sometimes bad. Other than COVID, is there is there anything else that you guys you know struggle with or, or deal with that you find difficult? Um, I mean, just things like it's a very unique business. Okay, and. Uh, you know, I've, I've worked with other business owners and other, other types of businesses as well. Right. Um, cause I value their input. Uh, the one thing I've learned though, is this business is very unique in the way it operates. And so sometimes it's hard to get that outside help from people who aren't in this type of business because they'll give advice, which is generally good advice, mm -hmm. but it doesn't apply to this business sometimes it does but not always yeah because they'll be like like but it doesn't work that way like right we can't we can't operate that way well mm -hmm. that doesn't make sense maybe not but it's the rules in which we have to operate yeah and stuff so sometimes uh getting those uh you know uh resources outside has been difficult and stuff um i've tried to with other companies you know someone 
wants to become a vendor and stuff, I try to help out others right. when I can because I know how hard it is to find resources in this space because yeah. it is a very unique business and other people don't, they don't know. They don't know. Yeah. And well, so, it's, it's, it's like what you talked about. You didn't even know this whole entire homeschooling community existed. Right. And that's, that's my experience. I, I started uh, going, I don't want to be a public school teacher. And, and that kind of relates to my dad being a math public school teacher and having to deal with that whole nonsense, which we could get into on a you know whole different idea. But oh, yeah. um, so I didn't want to you know end up being a, a history teacher in the public school uh, system. So I did archery as a after school program, very much like you were explaining. You you know started doing that. I had an expertise in in archery from working at the uh, the wonderful Boy Scout camp, and um, just doing after school with the private schools because public school uh, you say archery and they go what no we don't want anyone shot with the arrow i'm like it's actually safer than soccer but never mind right uh so the private schools you know let me in that goes to my sales i had to just call like 100 schools before two of them would say yes and then then you get pictures and you have something to be like i actually have done it already so and then you get more and then the the homeschool community found me they were like we see that you're doing this archery stuff could you come teach it for us and i was like what is this whole thing? You mean I could do more than one archery class a day? Because if it's after school, it's just one archery class at the school. Right, of course. And that's fantastic. But from a business perspective, I guess I didn't have the forethought of going, that's not really going to totally work out. It's it's not going to be enough. But when you can do two archery classes or, or more at a learning center because it's homeschool, it's so much, you know, it's so much better from a business end. So, um. I kind of lost where we were going with that, but um, I, I guess the idea that was uh, well, the struggles and stuff, but the the, the struggles, yeah, so, fi- finding. I didn't know. Right. I didn't know anything about it. Right, because you don't you, you don't know what you don't know even as yeah. you start going in. So, uh, like I said, I had I was lucky in the beginning. I had a few people point me in the right direction, uh, but there's as things grow, and you know we're in many different campuses throughout Southern California now. I think we're at over a dozen and. It's like, well, now with so many students, okay, well, how do you how do you keep track of all of that? How do oh. you figure out your billing and stuff? And there's no model for that. Mm-hmm. There is no QuickBooks for that. Yeah. Because it's not set up that way. Nope. And they'd have no idea how to do it. I've even had bookkeepers. They're like, well, I can totally help you out. I said, well, let me show you what I'm doing now. And then you, and they're like, um, no, that looks like, Pretty much, all, I can't. I can't offer you anything. Yeah, because I've, it's it's a very different animal than any other business. Yeah, I've I've had the same experience with um. You know, uh, I have a partner who uh, is with me with this whole archery thing that we're doing, and you know, he's um, he's brought in a couple different accountant people and trying to explain. Okay, so you have the charter school, but then you have the learning center, and then you have the family kid, and. The money comes from here, but then this is this, and then we have to put it, it's just totally different. And they're like, I used to do accounting at um, a big company, and I don't even, this doesn't make sense. Right. They're, they're, they, yeah, that's what, I mean, people who, that's what they do is bookkeeping, and they're like, um, no, you're just going to have to give me the numbers because I can't I can't do your, your your system, and I don't know how to fix it for you. Yeah. Because, it, and, and it's, and inputting it too from so many different sources like there's so many things that you, if you unless you're in it, you don't realize oh, and how all, complicated it is. And every single learning center has a different way of collecting rosters. Yep. And uh, 
And then I always struggle, you know, you put your password in and then you forget your password and then it makes you want to change your password. And now I've got 900 different passwords for 900 different things. That's just the, so you're basically the, the backend accounting side of it is the struggle. So it is because it's not something that, um, cause everybody's like, well, you need to, uh, you know, in in any business, your goal is to eventually replace yourself in certain aspects. And I'm like, I can't. Like I, the thought of trying to train somebody for that part of it, mm-hmm. like it's so daunting. Like anybody looking at us, like yeah, this doesn't make any sense. Well, it doesn't, but we have to make it work. Yeah. And so once you're the one that figured it out, like you're pretty much stuck there. So it's one of those things that's hard to replace that that part of it. So I would say that's the biggest struggle is because there's going to be place limits on what you can do, because, gosh, countless hours go into just keeping track of the books oh yeah you know and for it it's just it's insane all right so moving on from from some struggles of the the business now that you're inside of this homeschooling world which is totally different than than the public school world what are your like views on maybe how it's different maybe how it's 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 better or maybe if it isn't better or I don't know, some thoughts on the homeschool community in general uh, that you've seen. You know, I, I know you've been doing it for a while. Has it? Have you seen it change or evolve? Uh, there's been a little bit of, um, you know, e- evolving as new you know, regulations come out and charter schools are trying to, uh, you know, make sure they're following the rules and they pass those down to the vendors as well. Some make sense, some don't, you know, with, you know, it's, there's always that you're like, I don't, this makes no sense why we're doing it this way. But is the rules you got to follow up? Yep, yep, um, and stuff. So it's evolved a little bit. Um, I think the major evolution is in awareness. Okay, more and more people are becoming aware, and I think, you know, homeschooling and uh, especially like doing it through charter schools and stuff. Like people just don't realize the wealth of options and resources that there are for homeschoolers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it less and less. It's it's, it's breaking through. But le- so less and less people are having that old image of homeschooling is mom sitting at the dining room table all day with her kids yeah. ready to pull her hair out. Right. That's that's a, a myth that I just don't think exists today. Right. Exactly. I think a lot of people have broken through that. So it's going up because that's what I thought. I, right. I, I had no idea. Um, and now there are so many resources. You know, parents are they're not just on their own. There are so many resources, not just in providing the services, but even helping getting, uh, you know, funding for the services. Right, the funding. Right, there's so many options for that. And I think as people are becoming more aware of it, they see, oh, I can do this. Mm-hmm. And I think also one of the things that uh, that has helped push it along was uh, if there was one uh, positive thing about COVID. Okay. Is I think it, it uh, just like the Wizard of Oz. Okay. The curtain was pulled. Oh. We knew some, we knew there were problems. Right. But now it was staring us right in the face. People couldn't deny it. Right. Anymore. You couldn't you couldn't hide from the fact that it was there. Whatever those problems are, you could kind of ignore them because you didn't see them. Everything is just going yeah. the way it's going. This is how I did it. This is how my kids are going to do it. Right. It's how it's been. Right. People started seeing just how far behind their kids really were versus what they were told. Yeah. They saw teaching styles that did not work, mm-hmm. the inflexibility of traditional education models, and uh, the, and the idea that you have 30 students in a class. Right. And the limitations of 
instructors who were just there for a paycheck. Yes. Right. And as much as and one of my pet peeves, as much as traditional public school teachers complain about their pay, they get paid pretty darn good for for the time and what they have to do. Like, uh, oh no, I I, 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 I get paid pretty good. I, I did the education program yeah. that they had to go through. Yeah. It's not like a nursing program where it's specialized or anything. That's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. For what they, for what they did, yeah, that's a pretty good gig. I um, so I I feel very blessed coming from the the family I did with uh, my parents. Um, we were we were very well off, and my dad was a math teacher. So honestly, I've never really understood when the teachers kind of make that complaint because I'm like, well, my dad's. A math teacher and you know it's summertime and we go on like multiple vacations all the time i i live in a you know i, I grew up in a two-story house with an olympic size pool on a teacher salary in orange county right so i don't know what they're talking about well people build their lifestyle around what they make mm-hmm. so oh i make this much well i can afford this expensive car well maybe you really couldn't right you know maybe you you're maybe it's a poor poor budgeting mm-hmm. you know so to me what what they're making it's it's pretty good like for instance my sister's a public school teacher and she's done it for many many years now uh 20 some years and i know what she makes yeah and i'm like i i could use that right now it's really good money yes you know like, and summer's off right summer's off and all the best vacations and they'll complain though they'll say hey well uh, we only get paid for nine months out of the year. No, you get an annual salary. Yeah. You only work nine months out of the year. Yes, so exactly. So let's get that straight. Yes. All the holidays off, all that stuff. And when we even look at time, right? Having come from the corporate world, yeah. earning a salary. Yeah. Let's look at how much time they put in. The school day is what? Six, seven hours, mm-hmm. right? How many teachers are there two hours early and stay two hours late? Probably not many. Yeah. And if they did five all five days a week, that would be ten hours a day, fifty hours a week, mm-hmm. like every other salaried position, yes. and not making as much. Plus, yes. plus the benefits and well, oh, some know, of the best benefits, right? Some of the best benefits as far as health, retirement, and retirement, and then I'll go back to it again. You get to have all of the holidays off. Yep. You don't have to schedule. You know, you're not in a spot where you have to be there on Christmas, right? Because it's, it's off. It's a pretty cush position. Mm-hmm. Like you know, not something someone should be complaining about, right? Unless you don't have any experience in how the real world works. Ah, uh, if that's your only experience, you're gonna buy into the union line that you that this is the way it's supposed to work and everything and. We could get into the indoctrination from the unions too. I, I, my opinions on that, but that's a whole other discussion. That's, that's a whole different discussion. Yeah. But I think with the COVID, we the, people started seeing that. Yeah, you know, started seeing the attitudes of the teachers too, mm-hmm. and the way they would come back at parents. Like parents are like, "Hey, I've got to work, and now I've got to sit home with my." Gym. And the responses from them, yeah, from teachers. Well, well, that's what you get for treating us like like a daycare. Hello. You guys own that system. Yes. That required people compulsory education, yes. mandatory. Mm-hmm. We had to send our kids to We you. had no other choice, essentially, from what most people understand right. and have been taught. Right. You have no choice. 
you don't get to now criticize us for building our lives around the system you perpetuate. Yes. Right? How, like, the entitlement in that, Mm -hmm. right? You know, so it's like, no, you don't get to do that and criticize the parents because now their lives disrupted based on what you created. Right. And so... Because the whole entire economic system of the United States is based off the idea that at this point, both mom and dad both go to work all day while they drop their kids off at the public school system and they're told you're dropping them off here mandatorily, but the reason you're here is because then they'll be able to learn and get a degree and all of that stuff and they'll be able to live a better life than you, but right. you have a spot to drop them off while you go to work. Right. But and then the, the whole concept live a better life than you. If they're you're sending them to the same place you went, and this is where you are, where what's reasonably are you expecting different? In, yeah. in that outcome, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, they saw that they saw the uh, oh, don't don't pay attention, don't be in the room listening yes. in on the classes. Yeah. Well, to me, that's immediate question. Why? Yes. Why? You know, when I teach my classes, I'm not hiding anything. Parents can walk into my class at any time and mm-hmm. see what's going on. Right. You know, I prefer cameras in the classroom. Yes. That's protection for me as an instructor. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the idea of, no, we can't have class. We can't have cameras. No, don't record us. Why? What are you doing? That you yeah, sometimes I think see? about when a, a parent's like, oh, can I record you teaching this class? I'm like, oh, please do. And um, where are you going to post that? Because right. can uh, you I, tag us in it. Yeah. Right? Can you tag me in that? Could you put Archer Champs or Champs Universal on that? Right. Put my name underneath so people know who that guy is who's teaching it. Right. Uh, I'd, I'd love for you to freely advertise me and my classes. Right. Because if you're not doing anything wrong, you wouldn't, you have no problem with people seeing what you're doing. Yes. And so I think so many parents saw that and they saw, you know what? Uh, there's got to be a better way. Now, some of them got turned off to homeschooling because they thought that's what they were doing, which it's not. Mm-hmm. They, they had the misperception, understandably so, that that's, that was homeschooling. And a lot of them had the misperception. I, I heard, I, I saw so many times, especially on social media, people saying, well, um, I, I don't know enough to teach my kids. And my response to that is, if you didn't learn something well enough to pass along that knowledge, why would you send your kids to the same place to learn it? Right. You know, because if um, if your dad takes you out and shows you how to change the oil on a car, mm-hmm. could you reasonably show somebody else how to do the same thing? Right. You could, right? Yeah. Because you learned how Especially to do it. Especially if I've, you know, gone through, oh, how, how many years is public school? 12? Right. 12? Yep. Uh, yeah, so if I've done 12 years of changing an oil, I'm sure I could probably teach somebody how exactly. to change the oil on a car. Right. So and if you can't if you can't re if you can't regurgitate that same information to somebody else, then you didn't learn it. And it's and, not even and necessarily isn't that what teaching implies. Teaching implies learning on the other side of it. Well, yeah, and it's 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 the other thing is it's not even that you're going to have to do it on the spot. You can have time to prepare and of prep course. your lessons for your own student. Of and course. then the other thing is you're not teaching 30 of them. You're right. teaching your own. Right. And, right. and it doesn't have to just be you. Yes. There's other resources. There's, and so that, it drives t- me crazy because that it's basically what was perpetuated by right. the, school, the teachers' unions, the yeah. school district. Oh, you need a prof- professional, a quotation prof- mark, yeah. professional to do it. And they're not any more skilled than you are. And you know your kids better than they do. Yeah. So you are uniquely equipped 
to teach, to your, teach your students to figure out what they might need. You know, if they need extra help in a particular area, you know that and you can go get them that extra particular help. Absolutely. You know, if you're not particularly good at, um, at language arts, you can, you can, in the homeschooling situation, you can find that resource and you can explore many, many, like countless number of options. It's completely customized education to the child. Yeah. Uh, and I, know, I, I wanted to circle back to, to public school teachers. There are some public school teachers that are, that are fantastic. And to some degree, I, I kind of feel bad for them, you know, because I, I think about my dad, uh, you know, doing it for so long. I think before it got so bad um, and he always did it because he wanted to be a, a football coach because that was his real, that was his true love is, is teaching football and that didn't exist in, you know, homeschool at the time. It's the system is something that they're stuck in. So there are amazing teachers in the system and um, I would like to invite those teachers to, those amazing teachers to, to look at other alternatives, maybe start your own company and you don't have to listen to those administrators anymore. Right. There's, start your own tutoring, uh, you know, the, business. That's one of the nice things about homeschool and all this stuff and, and with charter schools and stuff, it provides opportunities for the good teachers out there. Yes. And what a lot of them don't realize, and I use my sister as an example, calling her out on this, but I'm not giving her name. Okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, she has said uh, and communicated that how the union doesn't do what it should do for her. And I, and I wonder I, why. And I've said, because the union's only going to represent the teachers insofar as it benefits the union. Mm -hmm. The union is its own political organization. Yeah. And they're only going to do what benefits the union. Mm -hmm. And so when they were challenging and going after and attacking charter schools yeah. and trying to shut them down and trying to place more restrictions, why? It was not for the benefit of the kids because the evidence showed the kids were benefiting from yeah. it. It wasn't for the benefit of the teachers because wouldn't teachers benefit from having more options in where they can ply their trade? Right. If it, I have 10 options of where I can teach or take a specific job, that means I have 10 options, 10 opportunities to negotiate. Yes. But those other positions are not union positions, oh. so the union doesn't benefit from having choices. Right. So that's why the, uni the union spent, gosh, I don't know how many millions of dollars to fight charter schools, mm -hmm. which in the end, teachers not realizing it was to the detriment of the teachers themselves. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that it, it's, you know, the more uh, competition, the better. Yeah, Everything, the cream rises to the top. I am um, competition. We, we were at a meet and greet the other day, and I don't know if it, if if it was you, but a a, one, a brand new parent came in and they saw something that I was doing at a table and something another teacher was doing at a table, and they were like, "It kind of looks like the the same stuff." It, it was my wife who teaches English, and there was another English, and they're like, "Are you in competition with each other?" And I was like, "Yes, but no, but but yes again," and it's like because. I have to be as good as the other teachers because I don't have a union protecting me. Right. The only thing that protects Champs Universal included Ed and the, the under wonderful teachers that we know is that one, we show up every day ready to do our very best to teach these kids, to inspire a love for learning so that the students go home, enjoyed their learning, and then want to come back the next day so that 
they love it so much that they then tell their friends and then those parents hear about us and then next year or next semester a totally new group of kids sign up for our classes again or for the very first time our so, very existence depends on being good yeah we have if we are not doing a good job people aren't going to come back no in the traditional school system though you go to that school because that's what your zip code said you go to yeah you're, and you're you trapped get, that's it it's like monopoly it's, right they don't there's no incentive to do it mm-hmm. so uh i always compared it to the the public schools try, you know the and the teachers union trying to shut down charter schools it was they're trying to eliminate options so instead of trying to make themselves the better choice oh. they were trying to make themselves the only choice and that doesn't benefit any kid out there no if and that's it doesn't the benefit only the teachers no it, it doesn't benefit because if one student needs extra help in a particular area and they only have one option, where else are they supposed to go? I guess they're stuck there. They are. Um, well, and that's where you have, uh, you can have kids in, uh, just use third grade, for example. You, you got a kid who's in third grade. Well, maybe he struggles in reading. Oh, uh, that, that but, sounds like so, me. I have right, a story. So go ahead. Right, and, uh, so maybe he should be getting first grade material to support and build up. But no, he's getting third grade material. Right. So maybe his confidence is right. now way down. Right. But maybe he's a whiz in math. Ah. And at third grade should be in fifth grade math. Mm-hmm. He's ready for it. But he's getting third grade math. And so, so now he's, he's not challenged. Right. So now he's being held back in math, falling farther and farther behind in reading. Whereas if you're homeschooling and you are picking and choosing the classes, you don't have to teach them. Somebody else can do it for you. Right. resources. But you can sign that third grader, third grade, again, in quotation marks. Right. Because it's just a number in a first grade reading class to get that extra support build their confidence in it right and in a fifth grade math class to let them soar in that area Uh, and when you customized education and when they when a student feels like they're good at one thing that that um i can carry them through the other stuff i can well yeah they're gonna have confidence in one thing that's going to help with their confidence in everything else they're doing they know that they can do it in this one area they go okay i have a struggle here but I just have to maybe do a little bit harder or put a little bit more effort into this. So, you know, kind of a, a horror story for horror horror story for me in the public school is uh I wasn't so good at reading. And so what they would do is they would they would pull me out of the normal class, which is embarrassing. Right. Embarrassing. Well, because you're told you're supposed to be in this grade uh-huh. and they're pulling you out because you're not at grade level. So so to a certain right. degree, they're, they're trying to help me, right? I get it. Okay, you're trying to help me, but now I'm totally embarrassed. Uh, and then they bring you to like a weird, small, strange room and they're helping you read. And uh, the worst part about that is it was during math time. So now you're missing out on math. So now I'm terrible at math. As well as reading. Right. So, you know, you keep doing this to a student enough times. How many other subjects are they also not going to know because you're, you're, you're doing this instead of just having them at first grade reading level and, uh, you know, at the other reading levels that, you know, that they should be at. Right. right? Who knows where I would have been at math if for three years they didn't pull me out of math class uh, to teach me how to reading. I figured out how to read. I have not figured out how to math. Um. And I, and I will always remember this this one this one thing that I was trying to read one of these these books and I the books they always pick for you to read are terrible it, especially for a boy I don't know if they're better for a girl a girl will have to tell me 
it's it's a story about a penguin. I don't care about penguins as a as a third grade boy. Can we give me something about like a knight on a horse and a castle and a dragon or like some zombies or something like that? Right. Or how about a Star Wars book, right? Um so it's about a penguin who's like looking for pebbles or something and the word penguin. I don't know if you've looked at the word penguin recently, but it's to me as a third grader was an impossible word to try to sound out. I does it does it follow the normal ways of sounding it out? So I was like penguin. And they're like, that's not quite right. I'm like, what do you mean not penguin? Penguano or something like that. And I was literally, as I remember it, it's it was two hours crying into a book. And, and they're just like, keep reading as I'm, I'm crying. I was oh, literally terrible. crying. I, I, don't, I, I feel like I'm laughing, but it's that's so terrible. Yes. Like you, can't, you have to try to find the comedy in it. Oh, yeah. I, it's To me, it's, it's funny. It's a funny story. But at the time, I just remember like I never want to read again because I don't want to cry. I don't, and, and then, of course, when you're done, they send you back to class and you're in tears. Right. So now how, he's looking at you like, what happened to you? <laughs> so now, you know, of course, there are some boys and, and, and to a certain degree, naturally, they're going to ask, why are you crying? And the other ones are going to go, he's crying because, you know, he couldn't say penguin or, or whatever it is. And then they're bullying you or making fun of you. Right. Uh, and so that was a little bit of, you know, why what you're talking about is being able to put a student in their level at the right. subject that they're in is so critical. It is. And the other students there don't care yes they, they don't care what grade someone else is in the class mm -hmm. they may ask just because it's a thing yeah and they're curious oh what grade are you in oh i'm in fifth grade oh i'm in third yay yeah and, and, and that's it it's just but it's not a status symbol right you know it's not the oh i'm in fifth grade so i'm better than the fourth graders but i'm not as good as the sixth graders mm -hmm. you know it, it, like it's a class system of some kind it's it's a community of students getting together for a shared love of learning. Yes. And they're learning what they need at their level and stuff. So I think as far as, you know, where homeschooling comes in is, um, you know, I've always said every child deserves a, an IEP. It's an individualized okay. education program. Well, well, we're individuals, like, right? We're, we're all so individuals. why don't we all have individual customized learning if right. that's the goal? Exactly. And uh, I think so many of the myths of homeschooling is starting to go away, yes. including the, the whole socialization thing, which is completely crazy. I, I was... Having I, worked with both sets, I mean, I work with public school kids, I work with homeschool kids, and like, I mean, all the kids are great. You know, so mm -hmm. it's not trying to throw shade on one group of kids, but the homeschool kids, like, you can converse with them on a whole different level. So I was just having a conversation with uh, one of my friends I've had for 15 or 20 years, I don't remember, um, and he was homeschooled um like kind of in homeschool and then in public school and one of the things that he explained to me he was always significantly more charismatic in the public school setting than i was uh and i kind of consider myself pretty charismatic now um but one of the things that we kind of discovered on a conversation of the reason he was so good at coming into high school and being able to just make more friends or uh make more friends in those different groups that you you know you find in your cliques in high school is in homeschool what happens is you know one day you're at a particular learning center doing something uh, but then next week you might be on a different type of field trip with a totally different group of students yeah. and so what happens is you are constantly put in new opportunities to make friends communicate collaborate and and in yes. public school you join first grade that is and you get one first impression 
and then you go to junior high and you get another first impression and then high school you get one first impression to make all of these friends and it's very difficult to change that identity that yes. everybody sees you as right. because you only had that one opportunity but in the homeschool world you if 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 a student you know walks into a park day and they don't they're too shy they'll learn that the next time they go to a different park day they can come in kind of with uh, a different idea of maybe i need to ask some students to Join me on the slide as yep. they didn't last time. They get more opportunities to become more social. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's more conducive to uh, socializing appropriately yeah. and stuff and less of an institutionalized type of socialization. Mm -hmm. So uh, homeschoolers, they're socializing out in the world. Yeah. Whereas if you look at the alternative, if you have a kid that's in second grade, just as an example, well, they're socializing with the... 29 other kids in that class and they're all and second maybe, graders and, me, and they're all second graders right so they're not there's, their there's no to, there's no range that right. they're talking to they're it's, only learning how to talk to second graders right and then they might get 30 minutes of yard time maybe 30 <laughs> minutes uh, right if, if that uh, I, if, I was if, hearing about a, a school in texas that decided that they were only going to give them 15 minutes because they decided that after 15 minutes students couldn't go longer than 15 minutes without getting into conflict so we're going to make it so they literally cannot get into conflict well okay. so now what are they never learning well but what uh, conflict resolution uh. for one but here's the thing so if we look at what is that similar to it's and what were our public schools modeled after oh right so same person designed both yeah it's modeled after our prison system and if we look at the similarities you have in a prison system you have class you have classes okay right so they actually in prison uh and there's studies on this they will actually encourage segregation uh, okay okay amongst the different classes now of course it's not based on grade level it's right you know it's based off all sorts of different things right. but yeah so you have those there because now they're easier to manage. Yeah. Okay. You have those classes. They stay in their own groups. They get limited yard time. Yeah. And stuff. And they're regimented. Okay. You go here. You're with the same group of people the whole time. We move you from here to here to here all day long. It's very regimented. Same. It's the same thing that we're doing with the public school system mm -hmm. as well. So you go and it's the same group of kids for this year. It's a same group you get a little bit of yard time and we want to minimize that the conf conflict conflict minimize the Same conflict thing you would do in prison right yeah you, they get they have to have their yard time but you don't want conflict out there but you also use that class system this class has a perceived value over this one by the people in it Right, just like yeah. fourth grade, I'm better than third grade. Of course, and then right? the, the teachers, the teachers it. even perpetuate that because I remember do. we got into fourth grade, or it was my fifth grade teacher, and they're like, "I only teach fifth grade because fifth graders have finally learned how to like listen to me and and do what I say, and fourth graders are too crazy and too squirrely." And then as a fifth grader, you're going, "Oh, I, I guess I do have to be less squirrely or whatever." They're literally perpetuating you going out, and when you see a fourth grader, be like, "I'm better than you." Right, it's the same thing. So it's very much like that, and and not to say that teachers are you know purposely trying to do that, but they, the system but, that they're part of, it's, the it's hard to to break stuff, a system that right? you're stuck in. Well, and they're they're in it, so you, sometimes you, you're so far in it, you don't you can't take a step back and see it for what it is, right? And so a, a lot of that happens, and you know when you're talking about the socialization level, well, no wonder you you have a second grader who really can't talk 
to a fifth grader and the fifth grader doesn't know how to talk to the second grader. Because they've never had the opportunity to right. other than uh, siblings, seeing you. Siblings perhaps, but yeah. other than that, you know, whereas in, in, in my classes, I can have a second grader and an eighth grader even in the same class. And it's it beneficial. Runs, right. Because it runs beautifully. Because the eighth grader, they might understand something and then they will mentor they will. to the younger student because they want the younger student to, to, to do better because then they can move through. So they mentor and then the younger student gets to look up and see how an older student might be reacting to something. And then they're going to learn how to do that as well. They're going to learn yes. how to maybe if a struggle, you know, an eighth grader isn't going to struggle the same way and a second grader is going to realize, oh, I don't have to like get upset about struggling. I know that the eighth grader is just kind of trying to figure it out. They can look up to and then and then mentor down. Absolutely. So it, it really works so much better. So they're more appropriately socialized. More appropriately socialized. Right. Yeah. So, uh, there's, so there's just so much to it. So I think that's where uh, people's eyes are opening to that yeah. now. And I think that's good for homeschooling in general, but also good for more kids as they there's more options available to them. Right. And they're going to hopefully be socialized to interact with varying levels of the real world. Yes. And as there's so many people who are uh, afraid to even make friends, you know, you hear a lot about millennials. Uh, I happen to be one of those and they don't have friends. Right. And maybe that's because that system has finally got there, you know, and technology right. obviously doesn't help. So right. that's, that, that that's makes true. it worse. Right. So it's a, well, a compounded problem. And one of the other things too, that's nice is when you have these options, now it's not going to be for everybody. Not right. everybody can homeschool. Mm -hmm. There's, you know, there's, Every family's different. They're not able to. Right. But homeschooling, in my mind, benefits the families that can't as at the same time. Okay. As there's more competition, oh. as the traditional schools are start to hemorrhage students, yeah. well, they're going to be forced, forced to do better. Right. Offer more options. So they'll be forced to actually do the job that we thought they were doing all along and actually provide a better education, a better experience for the kids that are there and can't do something else so that parents aren't ultimately forced to finally make the change and and do and and make and ultimately homeschool. So you're so you're looking at a stay there. You're looking at a future where uh, essentially hopefully the whole idea of homeschooling is is so big and it creates the competition that everybody has to be putting their best foot forward. Absolutely. And people will, will voice the concerns. Well, we're going to have public schools closed. Good. That oh, means if, I, they, if they needed to, if they, yeah, if they I, couldn't, if they weren't providing enough services, the good enough services to keep the students, mm -hmm. they should close. I Absolutely. agree. Right. Why are we, why are we funding bad performance? Yeah. We shouldn't fund bad performance. Right. Where, where in the world is that acceptable other than government run uh, in right. government run things, right? right. And where so that's you, where you fund bad programs. Right. And a lot of people will, will, will throw, uh, you know, criticism to, you know, uh, privatized education. However, it's okay. If uh, just as, as an example, if a charter school is a for-profit, right? Mm -hmm. So they're receiving some funds, which let's be real. They don't receive the same funds that the traditional public school does. No, they don't because they're chartered, through a district so that that school district is keeping a portion of those funds. Yes. So they get less funds per student. And if they're able to do with less funds per student and provide better results, a better experience for that child and make a profit at the end, come on now. 
that that should show us the flaw in the public education system that they're constantly saying they don't have enough funds because they're running out of funds and that they're still providing a, you know less than satisfactory experience right. for kids i i rarely think that the solution to most problems is more funds um, sure. I think what more funds do is the the only thing it actually solves is it it actually alleviates you of having to solve whatever the real problems are. Yes, I always say uh, school when it comes to the funding, it is not a funding issue; it is a budgeting issue. Mm-hmm. They receive lots of money. I know I mean, you look at how much money they receive per child. Oh, it's my, a lot. Oh my good, what I could do with that funding. Uh, for on a per child basis, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. give me a school with that kind of funding. Oh, uh, I mean, what I could do with that and the experience that they would have, right? Uh, it would be incredible, yeah. And yet, they say they don't have enough, and well, what, I, what they're I, providing for that is, I, I, I ridiculous. think, I think, and I, I might get it wrong, um, but but I'll go ahead and shout it out there, and then maybe someone can, you know, I don't know, comment and tell me I'm wrong. Uh, but I honestly think the amount of money per day that gets used on a student is like less than a dollar. Like, like per day per student is less than a dollar. Like, and that's probably just like the lunch, like, and they're, they're starting with so much. And then it goes to the unions. Yes. It goes to a, a school, not only has its entire administrative office, it then has a completely different building right? that is the administrative building that is associated with the school that's filled with more employees than the school has. Right. What are those people doing? I don't know. It, once, you, once you provide that funding without the accountability attached to it, they're just going to find ways to spend the money. Right. You know, by... Let's have more people here. We pay more people. We get better offices. The last one to benefit in any of it is going to be the child. Yeah. You know, they're going to be the very last one to benefit from it. And we see that as funding keeps going up and up and up, but the services provided keep going down and down and down. Right. You know, where's our music programs? You know, where's, where's, where's the public busing? Mm -hmm. You know, used to be every free public busing to get to and from school. Not anymore. Now, not only are we going to require you to send your kids to school, but yeah, you're going to have to pick them up and drop them off every day and wait in these ridiculously long lines where our schools were not built, designed for that kind of traffic right. and stuff. So they, the, the services go down as the funding keeps going up. All right, so so moving on because we could go on and on about that uh, forever. Uh, uh, so let's 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 move on. We we've talked about included ed, um, and and I think you've uh, you know you you kind of you were talking about how uh, you know you had your own kids and you had this kind of call to action. I could do this better, you know, put up or or shut up. Uh, and you started by teaching classes, and then we've kind of moved into talking about the public school system and the the issues there. Um, and we've talked about learning centers and you're part of them, but you have also gone into the same situation there, put up or shut up, and you have created your own, your own learning center. Yes. So, uh, what, so tell us about that. Well, so for the longest time I had been asked from time to time by parents, you know, well, why don't you start a learning center? And mm-hmm. I never had it. I was like, well, I'm happy 
bringing my services to other people's learning centers right. and letting them do all of that administration, setting up all that stuff. Uh, but coming out of COVID, we didn't, a lot of those learning centers had shut down. Yes, and, they did. Yeah. And in particular in the Temecula area, there weren't really any great options there okay. for, you know, homeschoolers. And, you know, when we say learning center for some of those who maybe aren't, aren't aware of exactly what that is when it, we're talking about homeschooling, it is basically, uh, you know, we rent space in a church, have a certain number of classrooms, some space that we can use, and we put together a schedule of classes with an assortment of providers or otherwise known as vendors with right. our charter schools. And we put together schedules that can work for the families in the area and they can come and sign up for classes, many times taking as little or as many as they want. So it's very much uh, kind of like a university system. If a, if a family has struggles in particularly uh, math, they can come for a math class. Right. If they're looking for just socialization and extracurriculars, they can come for, you know, right. that kind of a thing. Exactly. They can take as much or as little as they want. Okay. Uh, now, when I set this, this one up, it was finally like, well, there isn't one there, so I guess we're going to start it. And I, uh, you know, kind of talked to a few other vendors there, and we, we, had, we had talked together. We need something here, so we worked together to, to, to put it together. Um, ultimately, I was able to build the build the website and the the back end of it and everything. Right. So by default, I end up running it. Yeah. Uh, but um, as it turned out, it's been so rewarding because it's been growing. Okay. And so um, it, just like with other learning centers, we offer our programs have been increasing. Uh, you know, uh, I think you what did did you start one day a week or or uh... we had started just one day a week. Okay. So and what are you up to now? We're four days now. So we four days. started just on Tuesdays Okay. Uh, with just three vendors there. Three. You know? So we had uh, you know, some STEM classes that, that my, you know, my teachers were providing. We had some drama classes and some art classes. And shout out to Miss Jen with Drama Kids. And, oh, she's fabulous. And, I, and talking Ms. to her is always a hoot. Right. And Miss uh, Reshma with the fine art classes mm -hmm. in uh, Riverside County. I, um, I always love to go see those the, the paintings she puts out because a, incredible. I, I don't believe that those are student paintings. But right? then one time I actually was watching the students paint them and I was like, oh, well, well, wow. So exactly. She's like, fabulous. How, I, how she gets the kids to make these like masterpieces, really. I mean, they're they, absolutely they are. Incredible. They are totally masterpieces. It's, it's hard to distinguish that that would be a, a fourth grader who did that and not an adult who's been in university painting. Right. And it's oh. it's it's um it's very difficult type artistry that they're doing we're not talking about like uh i guess what you would i don't know maybe more modern paintings where it's like a square or something like no we're talking like landscapes and and, and Be portraits beautiful stuff it's just so amazing and uh so popular like the the, the her her students so they'll they keep coming back for more mm -hmm. because they enjoy it so much it's amazing so the three of us we had gotten together we started there just the three of us on that one day uh we very quickly added on a second day, started doing Wednesdays as well, and then uh, did that for like two semesters, and then we ended up adding two more days on. So now it's Monday through Thursday uh, in Temecula, and uh, we're just just now uh, today for the upcoming semester, we broke 300 students. That's that fabulous. It's, abs it's amazing. Like I never would have thought that we'd have grown to that level. Right. We were happy with just doing the one day a week offering something. And it's just grown, and we're adding new things there. We're going to have picture day. We're going to do uh, ID cards, yearbook. Oh, fabulous. You know, tons of stuff that we're going to be adding in just as resources for the homeschool so, community. Uh, yeah, you get a lot of the, with the picture day, you're 
going to still have that same socialization that you're going to have at a public school there to a right. certain degree, but you get to pick the teachers, you get to pick your schedule, you get to pick how many days you yep. want to be there. It's totally family control. Right. Exactly. Pow- power to the families. Exactly. And, uh, you know, one thing that we did that we do differently there, and it's not a knock on any other learning center. We go to other learning centers and they have their reasons for doing it. You know, they'll have a registration fee for, for families, right. which is totally understandable. There's a lot of overhead and trying to run one of these centers they yeah yeah have it, to pay rent to right, the church it, yeah it depends stuff. on what the rent is for the church right so. so and of course whoever's running it that's their time as well yes. which is valuable mm-hmm. and so uh the, you know they'll charge a registration fee and i think for for me i guess i look at it as a bit of an advantage being a vendor yeah. provider who's also running the center that's not my main thing so right. we don't have to charge a registration fee Mm -hmm. they only pay for the classes that they take so it's one of the advantages there because you know that you know we sure we're running the center but that's not where we need to make the money the center is essentially it's more or less it's it's something as a necessity to continue to run the amazing classes that you do for the community that wants to show up for them exactly and it's been so nice being able to add others in obviously we have you guys right out. yeah we Shams joined Universal. last last spring I, I know i think you had tried to get us in earlier but we didn't have a uh, time on our schedule uh and so we've got classes over there we've got archery uh we got some history classes so um and and i our class numbers down there are, are fabulous probably because there's 300 students there right um well and your classes are great yeah. so you know people know that so yeah my uh my my instructor christian silva who goes down there he uh he loves your center uh and uh he Good. he loves he loves going there um so that's uh it's always amazing when i have a instructor come back and be like i love going to that one can you send me more stuff down there right yeah and it's it's a drive for him because we're we're actually based up mostly in orange county and so driving all the way down to Temecula, it's it's like i want to be able to work with the people down there and then I also want good numbers, and it's it's both of those. So it's been fabulous to be able to do that. That's great. So I mean, that's fantastic. And you know, we have other great vendors who've come in. You know, and I I'm very picky about who who I bring in because I work in this space. Yep. I get to know who's good in in the vendor world yeah. and stuff. And so I'll invite vendors there. Um, you know, who I know I want to work with and who I know is going to represent me well mm-hmm. at the same time. And so, you know, having you guys come out, having uh, the, the the German school campus come out, like oh the, yeah, out there often German Ur- classes. Ursula is she's she's hilarious when you're in meetings with her, and she's so dy- she's got such a dynamic personality. Yes, um, and the students, it's it's fabulous that they're learning German, and she's she's so passionate about it. She is, and uh, I mean, I'm still just learning about all the like I didn't even realize all the resources like they when they're going like this is a like. This is huge. Like they get stuff actually from the German government. Oh, exactly. Because crazy. You know, not not to knock a uh, German government and, and some of the way they operate. It's their own country. But if they go through her program, I, I don't fully understand it. But she has a route for them to finish her program here in the states and then be able to go back to Germany and get like full free university. And yeah. like that's like from the way I understand it, like one of the systems that she's like she puts together for these students. What an amazing it's, opportunity! It's in- incredible you know so uh, that's one we have uh hope for reading you know miss arena comes out her uh, gosh as far as a reading teacher goes like just amazing 
Uh, she don't think she'll make me cry when I say penguin wrong. Yeah, I I don't think so. Okay, uh, good. She she's fantastic, and we've got uh, uh, Coach Nash coming out. We're doing aviation classes. Oh, Coach and, Nash is fabulous. Uh, woodworking. Uh, so you know, whereas we're adding you know more options there, it's just it's been growing, and uh, we're just so excited about. It. And we got things coming up. I can't that I, that I can't even divulge yet. You know, as far as even location wise and stuff. Okay, that is going to be huge huge stuff coming up and okay so, so you have tons of things on the horizon uh, so you, you've talked about your center um are there are there still openings if people might be interested in if yes okay uh, so that's one of the openings and um actually if i uh, one of the things that uh, more people should be aware of too and this goes for just about any learning center uh, uh, that i can think of okay and that is uh, a lot of parents waited until their charter school funds were available before they registered oh okay don't do that the learning center, we know as vendors that funds are going to come when the funds are going to come. Right. Get your spot in the classes as soon as that registration opens. Yeah. Because some will fill. So we do have some classes that are on a wait list. Some will fill. And then if if they don't fill, a vendor has to look for maybe another avenue and, and cancel that class. And it's like there might have been five or six parents who were going to sign up, but they waited. Exactly. And I, I know for me, if, if you're a family out there, I, I don't know how it works for you if, if you're like, hey... Um, I signed up for the class, but my funds haven't dropped yet. Uh, can we work something out? And I'm like, if you're talking to me, if you're communicating to me, we will we will make it work. Absolutely. Because and it's going to drop before the classes start. Yeah. It's going to work out. So I just tell people, don't worry. It'll work out. Get your spot, though. And the other part of that, too, is uh, even though classes that waitlisted, if a class waitlists, like our registration opened in May, mm -hmm. if in June we have a class on a waitlist, we're going to look at, okay, do we have space to open another one of those classes? Right, a second class. To, to do it. Whereas if everybody waits till last minute, it's it's too late for us to add it It's in. hard to, yeah. So the earlier the better, sign up for the classes and get your spot in them. But we do have plenty of room. We have some classes that are waitlisted, but we still have lots and lots of room in plenty of classes for people to come out and build a schedule and join us and have a great time. It, it's such a great community there too. Mm -hmm. So I always tell parents, not only are your kids going to make friends, you will as well. Right, you're going to make friends too. Yeah. And uh, we will go ahead and, and put the information for um, EEE centers uh, down in our description or comments, depending if you're on YouTube or uh, Spotify or what have you, um, so that you can look up Mr. James's uh, center and uh, contact him and uh, join his community if you're in Temecula and then also if you're looking for his classes uh, and Carlsbad Everybody oh and Carlsbad just, that's just right open, that's right just opening in Carlsbad right just Mondays for now Again, okay starting one day right. a week. just gonna start small and then and grow from there absolutely so uh, we definitely we have space still in Carlsbad as well so okay. if, if you want to join great location there uh, we're gonna have lots of fun Awesome. So you'll have all that information. Just look for it down at the bottom, guys. Um, and if you have any other, you know, classes that you want to, you know, reach out to Mr. James about. Um, okay. Yeah, I should probably say some of the classes that we do too. Yeah, go ahead. Specific. Go ahead. Share so, uh, any of the classes that you do or other yeah. teachers. You know, so, we've talked about some. Yeah. So with Include Education, we do stuff like uh, we have video game design, robotics. Uh, we do 3D printing, Lego challenge classes, hands-on science and engineering uh, we even have some, uh, as new instructors come in with special skills, we have even drone creation classes, Ooh. action figure customization, molding and casting, so many new options. Of course, cooking uh, and, uh, gosh, uh, science. We have sewing classes even, so gardening, so many different options available. 
So uh, if you go, they go to our website, includeeducation.com, they'll see that there, and a list of all of our homeschool locations for all of our campuses, you know, no matter where they're at, because we have some in Orange County, too. Uh, we have a few campuses there that we're at, so definitely uh, check that out. Awesome. Definitely, we will make that available if you're, you know, you found us from here. Um, so, all right, we've talked about included ed. We've talked about EEE centers, but like we started, I'm going to circle back around to this origin story of Mr. James is, um, it's like a, it's like a, it's like your persona. For instance, we, you talk about there's Batman, but then there's also that's, is that his persona or is, is Bruce Wayne his persona? So then I guess my question is with Mr. James is, is Mr. James who you are or is, is, is there a, a different like, and that's your like Batman mask that you put on when you become Mr. James in front of the classroom? I guess talk to us about that because you, you know, you, you promote yourself as, as Mr. James, but it's more than just call me Mr. James. I'm the teacher, Mr. James. It's, it's, it's this whole like mythos. And I've heard even the students kind of like talk about it. Uh, and, and I kind of know maybe, you know, cause when we do archery, I, you know, my name is Will, but in archery, I'm, I'm Mr. or not Mr. Robin. I'm uh, I'm Sir Robin. So tell us about like Mr. James and this persona. Uh, so uh, it's actually kind of interesting. So um, I it was something I kind of always I started doing when I was in sales, but I didn't realize I was doing it. OK. And it became more purposeful when I started teaching. And um, I didn't want to use my last name. It seemed so impersonal. So I always use my first name, Mr. James mm -hmm. you know, with the students and uh as I was doing it, I realized I, I would start, Mr. James started becoming a separate, not a separate personality, but an extension of my personality. Okay. In a way, kind of like professional wrestlers will do. A uh -huh. lot of them, the most successful ones, they took parts of their personality and they turned them up while other parts, they turned them down. They're creating a character. Right. Okay. And so that's what Mr. James became. So I started turning certain things up. So um, as an example, regular James is it tends to be a little more reserved, uh, a little more of an introvert. Okay. And so, you know, in a group setting, sure, I'll socialize, I'll I'll talk to some people if they come up to me. But Mr. James, ah. on the other hand, goes into the room and wants to be the center of attention. Of course he does. Right. So Mr. James comes in big and loud and hey, look at me. I'm here. Just just by the way I walk in. Yeah. Even. It's just, it's like a, a presence and, mm -hmm. and stuff. So it is, it's like a different version of me. Okay. Um, even to the point of like, uh, James is not into public speaking at all. Mm -hmm. But as Mr. James, I could get in front of 10,000 people. Where's the microphone? Right. Give it to me. I'm going to go and I'll, I'll start talking, you know? So it, it's a whole, it's a different version. And there's certain things that I need to be into character. Now, the longer I've done it, the more easily it is to slip into it. The, the question is, uh, f for me, when I was really, I, I you know, I, I teach some more history classes than I do archery classes at this point. But I was, when I was really doing archery, I was, I was Sir Robin, and for so long, I, I, you get into it and you have that Sir Robin personality or that uh, that persona of Mr. James. Do do you feel that maybe? there's a blending and you don't know where it begins or ends at this point if you've been doing it for so long yes so i i've noticed uh i i i say that mr james is like taking the best of james and turning it up okay and stuff and so the longer i've done it the more it's seeped into regular james right you know and those those good 
things that that come from that more of it seeps in so mm-hmm. just even as james confidence level is uh you know and stuff just that, that my regular self and stuff um now and i can more easily get be in character when i don't have uh, I, I refer to it as symbols. I read a book one time. They said it was, uh, they refer to it as totems. Okay. Right. Um, and some of that is, um, well, compare it to like Superman, right? Super, okay, so Superman. Superman's a good one because it's an easy transformation. Right. And you can see it in Superman 2, Christopher Reeve, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a scene in which they've gone to Niagara Falls. They're undercover, right? So he's there as Clark Kent with Lois Lane. They're in the honeymoon suite, right? And there's a scene in which he's about to reveal to her that he's Superman. That he's Superman, okay. And so he's standing next to the fireplace. She's gone into the other room. I can't remember if it's a closet or the bathroom or something. And as he's talking, he's about to reveal it. And he takes off the glasses. In taking off the glasses, if you watch that scene, it's so beautifully acted, right? He's wearing the same exact clothes. Hair hasn't changed nothing. He becomes Superman right there on the screen just the way he's just he something about his face or standing everything changed Mm -hmm. everything just his whole persona changed he taking off the glasses he he gosh what an incredible actor right just taking off the glasses hit his posture changed his face changed everything about him changed and then he changed his mind the glasses came back immediately he was clark kent again and it made you believe that like you always say oh how's how's it disguise his glasses Oh, I saw it in that moment. That scene, yeah. you believe it. Those glasses were a complete disguise. Right. So for him, that was uh, 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 that symbol, that totem. Mm-hmm. So for me, uh, I have yeah, the certain things that I will wear, you know, either okay. wearing a Mr. James shirt or an Include Education shirt. Uh, typically, I can't be too scruffy looking. Right. So I can't okay. go too long without shaving or okay. I don't feel like I'm Mr. James. So it's harder to be Mr. James in those circumstances. Uh, over time it's easier right okay. but at first i had to be like spot on like my appearance was just right okay now i'm mr james like i got into costume so so to speak right now it's a little bit easier over time but that's what it became so uh okay so so, so to the blurring the lines the question for you and, and i guess it's a superman batman question okay. um real quick batman or superman if you had to pick one as your favorite oh gosh um, I gotta go with Superman. Okay, and uh, not because of the powers, not because it's just that that wholesome, uh, like he like he, he's that he is a symbol himself mm-hmm. of of hope. Okay, uh, of of let's be better. I right. guess. And so between the two, I think they're okay uh, from a character standpoint I, I i love the batman stories like batman's awesome mm-hmm. but if i had to pick between the two i go with superman too overpowered though i, wish, I agree i, I agree wish he was a little bit weaker i'd like to see him struggle more because then it shows you he overcame more right there yeah it'll uh, help you maybe relate to him more okay yes. so then back to you your personas batman uh batman superman for me when it comes to like my my persona that i i present in front of the class uh for me to a certain part if i think back in elementary school i was i was kind of shy kind of reserved i got into acting around that time um and so like now when i think sir robin or or will or 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 mr reed i who am i am i more 
the person in front of the kids that that's the normal me or is the not me the normal me or or I, I guess like with Batman he's a little bit different than Superman where you kind of question Batman is his real personality and then his uh, his disguise is Bruce Wayne and then right. Superman it's typically kind of seen the opposite way right. where he you know uh, Clark Kent might be who he really is and then Superman is that persona mask right. he puts on yeah um, so that's like my struggle so. I, I don't know if you have anything to comment on, like, do you see yourself as more Mr. James or, or just James at this point now? Uh, you know what? It actually depends on the circumstances. Okay. So uh, I haven't mentioned them up to, up to now, but I also have two younger daughters. They're, oh, they're okay. 10 and 8 right, right. now. Um, and uh, when I'm with them, mm -hmm. uh, like, they see me as Mr. James, and they they know in certain situations when I become, when I am Mr. James, like, because they'll, mm -hmm. they'll come to me with two events and stuff, and they know when I'm Mr. James and even the way they will come up to me is different because they know, okay, he's not dad right now. He's Mr. James. Ah, okay. You know, so it, it's a little bit different. So they not even ne know not necessarily a bad way. Right. They, kn just, they, they know, know like you're, you're working or you're they, to a certain degree, your personality helps them know how and when to kind of interact with you or, or yeah, what exactly. depending on the setting. Right. Just because, you know, Mr. James with the students, like, you know, I'm great with the kids, but also there has, I mean, it has to be some sort of a professional mm -hmm. distance to a degree, right? And so, uh, you know, they won't necessarily come up and just run up. You know, my daughter's come up, run up for a hug. Like, they'll mm -hmm. look for the opportunity, like, okay, there's no other kids. Okay, I can come up because he doesn't have to be Mr. James right now. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It, it's um, And it's unspoken. Like, it's not something like we've actually had a conversation about. They just kind of get it. Right. Like, it, 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 in a weird way. Yeah. And stuff. But when I'm with them outside of an event where I where I am Mr. James, I'm just I'm just dad. So which again, So is that like a third pers personality at this point? It is. It okay. is. And I think now I go more from being dad to Mr. James. Oh, you know, okay. Even now being dad even more so than when when I had the the you know when I was you know with with the boys when they were younger. Uh-huh. Uh I I mean just being older now. It gives you a different perspective and stuff. Now now, when I'm dad, like I'm all in, mm -hmm. I'm dad right. at that time. And so uh, the the times when I'm James is late at night when I'm just sitting there on the computer doing the admin stuff. Got and it. That's when James comes out and is just like, okay, I'm just relaxed, gym shorts and a t-shirt, you know, and just hanging out at home, uh, you know, getting some work done. Uh, but otherwise, more often than not, I'm either Mr. James or I'm dad. One of, one of the two. Got it. So um, I guess then, uh, you know, I, I guess I'm going to have to think about that because I, I recently just became a father 10 months ago to my, my son, uh, Will, Will the Fifth. So I, I guess I guess um, I guess there's going to be a, a new emergence of a, a, of a personality for me as, as, a, as a father. So. I wanted to get into. You, you may not see that actually, but seeing you at events and bringing your son with, mm -hmm. there is another version of you. Even oh. You don't realize it. So I, you I, can yeah, see, you can see it. You know? I, I guess and, I haven't realized it yet. Yeah, and it's a good thing. Mm -hmm. you, you, like you can see it. Like when you know, it's different. Like when you're holding your son, you're, you're different than when you're not and you're interacting with people. Mm -hmm. There's a difference. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Cool. So then uh, I, I will go ahead and, and, and reach out as a as a father to a father. Uh, I, I, any any advice you could give me, real quick. Um, best advice I can give is make the time that you have count. Okay. So with the times that you get to be with your son, make it count, be there, uh, you know, 
and play. Just play. Be silly. Be, you know, don't don't take yourself too seriously um, and stuff. And uh, they'll like your your relationship will benefit from that. Like you don't have to take yourself too seriously and stuff. Uh, you know, have your boundaries on right. things, but uh, but be be able to play, get down on that level mm-hmm. and stuff. And also, especially as guys, sometimes we have a hard time with that. Don't be afraid of showing physical affection with your kids and mm-hmm. stuff. You know, that's the one thing with my daughters. They love hugs and stuff. They love to cuddle. Um, I love, you know, love having that interaction with them right. too. They need it. Yeah. So it, it definitely builds those bonds. So, um, you know, I, I listen to a lot of Jordan Peterson and he talks about one of the most important things you can do as a father is to uh, what you're just talking about, which is the physical affection um, and like a lot of uh, like wrestling, like play wrestling. Absolutely. And that at a young age, to a certain degree, that is like a huge component of that socialization where they learn their own strength and they learn like you might be wrestling with someone, but you don't poke them in the eye or you don't, you know, grab something hard and hit them over the head with it. Right. But you can like be rough with them. Right. But right. they, to learn, a certain they degree. learn their own boundaries mm-hmm. and stuff too. And yeah. stuff, you know, cause you know, I've done that or, you know, tickling and stuff. And, yeah. You know, I mean, as soon as they say uh, stop, okay, no, we'll yeah. stop. Oh, I, you know? I, I love typically they're like, Oh no, no, I wasn't ready to stop. Go oh, tickle me some more. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I, but they but I want them to learn if they say stop, I'm gonna stop. Right, right. That's that's a powerful word. Yeah. You know, and I, they need to know that. Mm-hmm. But they'll say, Okay, I'm ready for more. Yeah. All right, let's get into it. When when I when I tickle little little Willie, uh oh my gosh, and he laughs, it's it's the cutest thing. I I I, I like when you see something cute, like you're like, Oh, you could get enough of the cute thing that it doesn't have the same I don't know, like reaction to you. But no, every time it's like brand new. Every laugh he has is like brand new, new laugh. It's it is really something crazy to experience those hold, laughs. Hold on to that. Mm-hmm. Hold on to that. Never get tired of hearing your your kids laugh and talk and and, and pester you because mm-hmm. there'll be times you're like, oh, I gotta get this work done. Right. But you know what? There's times I'll go and I know people. You know, if anybody out there, if you haven't received an email for, from me for a few days. Sometimes it's just my daughters are right there and we're just watching a movie, but they just need, they just need me at that time. Yeah. And it's just, it's going to wait. And yeah. so that's going to come first. Right. They're first. So, yeah. Um, so I, I definitely agree with you on that. So, so thank you for that advice. And I, I think, um, you know, all parents and, and what have you can take that advice. Uh, I wanted to move quick cause we're, we're getting, uh, pretty long here and I, I know we we expected that but uh i, yeah, I wanted I to can certainly talk oh no that's that's okay i've been um i've been excited for this you know this conversation for for a while when i i had this idea for this podcast i was like i gotta get mr james on because he's got a story to tell um i wanted to, to move on if you had not done what you're doing it what alternative path do you think you might have taken or do you think that there was some sort of providence that led you to where you are with included ed and EEE and the homeschooling community, you know, cause you were like, I want to do a business. I want to work for my own. So I, I think that's something we could probably set in stone as an idea. Um, is the, is, do you see yourself anywhere else or how you could have ended up doing something else? I guess. Uh, well, sure. Uh, because, uh, I mean, I was kind of forced into the circumstance of needing to change. So if okay. I hadn't had that, particular circumstance i probably would have stayed in sales okay and and, in you know managing businesses for other people Mm -hmm. uh at least for a good while longer 
even though the itch still would have been there mm-hmm. to do my own thing. Um, you know, I was making good money. So right. again, like why mess with something that's working? Right. Um, and I did enjoy it. Like, you know, I enjoyed the work. I was good at it. So it wasn't like I needed to get out of it. What's nice about this, though, is not not only do I still get to do what I'm good at and that I enjoy, now I have the added benefit of knowing that I'm making a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, to me now more than, and, and maybe that's part of what's evolved too, maybe that comes with age, you know, as part of it too, where I, I evolved, you know, personally, was uh, now more important than, than money because it's not as lucrative as what some people would think. You right, know, right. Uh, it is not so much that, it's how many lives can I have a positive impact on? Right. Because it, in, to me, that's how we live on. Yeah. Right? Past our our physical beings is, is we live on in the impact that we've left on the world. Right. It's not necessarily how big your home is. It's it's how many people you invite in and and um, you share your 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 gifts with. Yeah. So the more I the the, the more lives I can uh, impact for the positive families, children specifically. If if I if if I had even just a small part of making them love learning mm-hmm. and look forward to learning more, yeah, then that's worth everything. Yeah, you know. And the more I can do that, the better. And so um, I think if anything, eventually, even if it wasn't in education, uh, as I think circumstances at the time led me to okay, that's where I'll go. Uh, I think eventually I would have, even if it wasn't by now, at some point I would have transitioned into something that also felt like I was making a difference. A difference. Right. Helping people. That was the one thing that was missing. Right. That's the thing that helps you wake up even when it's a a hard day or a struggle. Right. It it, it gets you going. Yes. Because I I know um, when a a parent comes up to me, and it it literally just happened the other day in in Riverside, a parent came up and said, um, our student... My son hated uh, writing, and now he writes a lot, and he writes a ton, and it's because he was in your class for two years in your creative writing class. And those those kind of stories, that kind of feedback you get from, whether it's coming from the parent or the student, those are the things that push you forward. It, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's where, because you know you, like, you may have changed and they may not even remember it because that's mm-hmm. not even that's not the important part that they remember us specifically, right? Um, and where it came from. If they do, that's wonderful, right? But if they don't, that's okay. But you may have changed the trajectory, oh yeah, of his life mm-hmm. where it may now go in a whole different direction because of it. And right. who knows? We may have a best-selling author on our right. hands in a few years. No, exactly. And and the other thing is that opportunity was opened up to these students because they developed a love for a learning in a subject that they might not have had. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of think about myself when it comes to math, like what other opportunities maybe could I have had if math was such, was not such a horrible struggle for me. Right. Uh, and you know, I know my, my dad always explaining that to me and it never really making sense cause I just hated math. So, uh, so, um, I, I guess, is, is, do you have a specific story of a, a, a parent or a student who came back to you and was like, your your class changed or I loved it so much or I am into robotics now? Or do you, do you have one that kind of... Uh, I do. 
Uh, so I have, uh, there's, there's a few out there, uh, and stuff. And sometimes, sometimes when I talk about, it, I'll start getting a little emotional and I think about it and stuff too. But, um, I, I think some of the more, most rewarding ones are when it's a student who has specific struggles, you know, or mm -hmm. commonly referred to as special needs. Okay. You know, so, uh, having my, you know, my own oldest son being, uh, on the spectrum, mm -hmm. um, I have a soft spot for that. Area, okay. you know and stuff and making sure they have accessible places to go as well mm -hmm. so i'm sure you get you see this probably a lot in your classes as well doing homeschool classes mm -hmm. we have a higher percentage of kiddos who may be on the spectrum right or diagnosed as adhd uh -huh. than what would be in the traditional classroom right because they weren't getting what they needed from mm -hmm. From the traditional class right and mom or dad know we need help or we need to figure something out that works for them because right they need something yeah so different whether, whether it was for the school not providing or for bullying sometimes too. yeah so now they're in a different situation right so now they're they're homeschooling and stuff so um it's you know we have some students um you know and of course i'm not going to identify anybody but who are on this on the spectrum and they will come in first day and very very quiet, reserved, unsure mm -hmm. and stuff. And like not even to the point of not wanting to participate. Yeah. It's overstimulating stuff. Mm -hmm. We're very understanding of that. Mm -hmm. And so we'll work with it. We're not going to push them too hard. We'll gentle nudges, of course, to try to get them in. Right. You know, finding different strategies that'll work. Talking with the parents. Is there something that they do that works that we can try as well to the best of our abilities? And, uh, I've had a few students who've been on the spectrum who came in so reserved and in some cases where they didn't where at the end you're like I don't know if they got as much out of this as I would have liked. Yeah. And I'm like oh, gosh, I might not see them again cuz I don't think they enjoyed it as yeah. much. But then you see all of a sudden they enrolled for another class, yeah. two more classes. Mm -hmm. And you're like Okay, I didn't realize. Okay, I didn't think they'd be back. I didn't think they really enjoyed it so much. And then you hear from the parent when they come in. Oh no, he insisted. Yeah, that he needed to be in your class. Oh, really? He said yeah. And it may have been the exact same class, a robotics class, which one semester to the next maybe you know I mean, it's going to be very similar. Right. There's similarities. And, yeah. And so he's taking it again, the same class that I didn't think he necessarily enjoyed right but now and mom's like no this is he loved incredible. it incredible like he, yeah he didn't want to come anywhere to begin with but by the end of the semester he was coming like eagerly waiting to come even if he didn't show it mm -hmm. in the class and then by the end of that second semester he's in there we're partnering up with other kids and i can tell him you know we're He's still working on the social aspects, you know, every, you know this, that the, being on the spectrum affects everybody differently. Right. And he's, he's still working on some of those, but I can come to him and I can say, hey, your partner is depending on you. They're new in this class. Can you help them? Mm -hmm. And empowering him and then stepping back and seeing he's like, he was paying it. He was getting all this. He just wasn't showing it, but now giving him that little uh, like responsibility right. in there. He, he can was, now be the mentor. He was, and he stepped up, and he did. It was absolutely incredible. And I'm sitting there looking, and one of my other instructors is in there, and we we're like, like we were just watching, like tearing up, just watching it because it was such a difference over the course of that, you know, from the first semester to the next, 
and seeing his growth and stuff. And we're like, he had a part in that. Right. You know, and where is he, you know, where is he going to go? And he's, you know, still was taking classes with us even that following year. Made such a difference. Or, um, uh, and, and this one was happened early on is where I really started seeing, okay, this makes a difference. And you always have some kids that need more redirection than others. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I had uh, one student very early on and in the class, it was a lot of redirection, you know, and we were always trying to be gentle about it. Yep. Sometimes you have to be stern, but like we're having fun. And all of a sudden you're like, Hey, we don't do that. You know, the yeah. rules no more. Right. And now we're back to having fun again. Right. Yep. So they, you have to kind of re- give a reset. Yeah, sometimes in in archery, you know, I just like, do we need to just take a break, right? Like sometimes they're just super excited about something. They're having a hard time following a rule, Uh, you know, but it's archery. So we do have to follow the rules because it's archery. And, you know, I, I, you always try to start really gentle. You're just like, maybe we just need to take a quick break. And then when you're ready, just come back in. Right. And sometimes you got to be stern. And so it was, you know, uh, this one student, I felt like uh, I was feeling like, man, am I being overly stern? I know I wasn't, you know, but... You start to feel that because you feel bad. You're like, yeah, no, but no, we have to enforce the rules because we have to have classroom management. And I thought at the end, I'm like, ah, yeah, he's he's not going to be back. And he wasn't. He wasn't on the on the roster for the next for that spring semester. And I was like, yeah, you know, but I was like, I really enjoyed having him in the class. You know, mm-hmm. we just had to do redirection. And it was the last day of the fall semester. And mom came into the class and he was kind of doing his doing his thing she came over and she asked she said is there room in the class next semester he woke up this morning in tears because mm-hmm. it was going to be his last day oh no in your class and he was so upset that i had not signed him up for the next one she said, it just we really needed to get this other class in that was just conflicted and she says but he wants it so bad we need to rearrange the schedule do you have room and we did i'm like Yes. And she said, okay. She said, kid, we, we, we need to switch into that class. And it was so, even the kids we don't realize that we are having an impact on, we are. Yeah. And uh, it was like, you know, so I always tell my instructors that too. Just because someone doesn't seem like they're, like you're connecting with them, mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you're not. Yeah. So you have to always act like you are. Right. And, and keep that, and, and keep that in mind. And so, I think that's that's good advice for for teachers. You might not be realizing the impact you're having because in some students it's it's visible, in others it's not. Yeah. So I think that's really amazing advice to just keep on your mind. Uh, assume that you are. Right. Assume that you are making right. that that deep impact, and I think that just keeps you. Uh, it keeps you conscious that you need to make sure that impacts a positive. One, yes, exactly. You know? So that's the thing too, and making sure that you can redirect in ways that's not insulting or degrading right. mm-hmm. or making them feel like they've like the teacher's been bullying them yeah is, is a problem yeah penguin penguin right <laughs> you know it's you know there there's ways to redirect you know because they're kids they're gonna need redirection yeah uh, they do gonna push boundaries and stuff and that's expected yeah so you just have to establish the rules enforce them redirect and then let's keep having fun with it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but yeah, always assume that you are having an impact to so make it a positive one. So obviously you're, you're having an impact in, uh, in Southern California, you know, in all of the different uh, ventures you're in, included Ed, EEE. Where, where do you see, I guess, Mr. James and Mr. James's persona, your, your ventures, 
and then homeschooling in the future. So if we're looking at the future, where, where do you see yourself, your ventures, and uh, this community that you've been part of? Uh, well, I see the homeschool community at large uh, it, expanding. As more people are finding out about it and finding about the, re about the resources, I think uh, the teachers' unions are going to have a harder time fighting against it. Right. Because there's going to be a bigger pushback. Right, do. from the parents who just want to be able to have choices exactly. and options. So I think it's going to continue to grow. Um, so we're, you know, obviously we are expanding our, our instructional staff. So we're training new instructors all the time. Um, and, and, you know, not as we're expanding, but also to replace instructors that move on. We're, right, they have other things that they might. Well, we're a great stepping stone. Yeah. For and and I and I'll tell instructors that coming in, you know, that we may we may not be the end destination for our instructors either. You know, we've had instructors who've gone on and moved to Northern California and are now the director of a whole STEM program for a private school. Mm -hmm. You know, a, a, another one moving on into another uh, part of education in another in another area where we're not. Mm -hmm. and stuff and to know that we're a part of that as well is amazing right because you're you're a uh, part of their journey. you're that stepping stone that someone else who can learn from your wisdom and then move on and then continue to uh do the good work exactly right so by extension my positive impact gets to keep going yeah beyond where i'm directly involved in and so that's cool uh but we're always expanding so as we're adding new locations like so we're we've got at several new locations coming up for this coming semester mm -hmm. that we didn't have in years past. And so they're coming to us, hey, we want to add your programs. And so we're adding those in there. Um, and then also, um, at, you know, we're adding on uh, learning centers too of our own. So EEE centers, uh, Temecula, we've been there now, are we our third year now, I think. Um, uh, gosh, it's been that long. I think we're going into our third year now. So, sometimes COVID messes your entire way of thinking. Uh, right, it's like how long your time. Yes. It's uh, it's like a time warp almost. It is. So I think we're in our going into our third year now there, um, and now we're starting Carlsbad. So we got a Carlsbad center starting one day a week. Now, could I see that expanding to other lo other areas? Absolutely. If there's interest there, if there's not, um, you, you know, if there's not another learning center in that area that's meeting meeting the, the needs. needs then potentially we could we could set something up there. Now, mm -hmm. we work for great learning centers out there that are not EEE. And if they're doing a great job, we can offer classes there. Right. Wonderful. Keep doing that, and we're happy to help support them. But there are areas where there may not be enough resources, and if we can open something there and provide those resources... Let's do it. So right. we're looking at that. Because some centers, option. they uh, you know, they open up. It's a, it's a mama who's running it, and maybe she just has like Tuesday and Wednesdays. Exactly. So you could be the Thursday option. Right. Uh, another avenue that we're exploring, and um, I j just have s uh, someone on staff now who's looking into this, is uh, we're looking into uh, sponsored programs. So there's lots of kids in uh, in the traditional school system who may be in a either a district or just in a you know, geographical area that happens to be lower income. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can offer after school programs in certain areas, but if they don't have the discretionary funds, they can't take the programs. Right. And so there's lots of kids out there that never get the opportunity to experience something like video game design or robotics. They don't see themselves yeah. in the future as having that in their future. Right. Like that's not 
on their radar because they never get exposure to it. So I'm working to try to find company sponsors who want to get their name out as mm-hmm. heroes in our community yeah. to sponsor programs at some of these schools. We can do an after-school program. That way we can run it tuition-free for the students and have programs in these schools and bring it to the kids who need it the most. Right. And so that's another area of growth that we're looking at being able to offer. And so we're exploring that. And of course, that we can take anywhere as well. So that's one thing we're you know, we're You're working put, on. We're, it's we're fantastic on to hear that, you know, some of these these students who traditionally haven't had an opportunity, hopefully we can, you know, from the homeschool community build something for them to to do like because like you said sometimes they've they've never been exposed to these concepts right how and, can you see yourself becoming an engineer in the future if you've never been exposed to engineering right you know that's not on your radar but yeah. how do you think you're you know if you if, you know some career paths do require college right why would you see that as a potential opportunity for you if you've mm-hmm. never been exposed to it yeah you know so. right, right. Exa- exactly i i always kind of think what if i would have got into entrepreneurship uh, like right out of high school or even a couple years out of high school instead of, I guess, floundering around for as long as I did. I, to a certain degree, I needed all of those experiences, but if I would have been a little bit more directed, it, it, things could have been different. And I, I think, you know, that comes from having no concept or idea that there was the idea of entrepreneurship from where I had come from. Right. Well, and just because uh, you were able to, uh, without having those experiences, eventually get there, doesn't mean everybody can't right so for some so many sure there's there's something to be said for overcoming adversity and challenges and stuff but if we can provide opportunities let's do that well, yeah if we can build the bridges right let's let's make it accessible to more people mm-hmm. you know well because they're gonna have new ideas on how to do things and that's how the whole whole community as a whole locally and then if you want to think from a nationally you know national united states america thing everybody just being able to do the best things that they can do is just better for us absolutely all together and the more they can see themselves doing something the better it is and that Mm -hmm. all comes from exposure to it they have to see themselves in that role for that way they can see it in their future right you have to you have to have a vision and then march forward towards that vision because sometimes it gets difficult along the way yeah so i think uh i think we have talked uh a lot and there is still (laughs) way more to talk about so uh maybe we'll have to have mr james on the uh the orange county uh homeschoolers podcast again and um you know maybe yeah maybe we need to uh expand the the idea of the podcast from orange county homeschoolers to uh orange county homeschoolers and beyond um, because so many of the, you know, the, the vendors and the teachers, they are beyond Orange County. Um, so I'll probably put a, you know, in parentheses on beyond, uh, for this one. Um, so I want to go ahead and thank you for, for coming on and sharing your story specifically, you know, Mr. James's origin story, uh, and give you an opportunity if there was uh, anything else you wanted, you know, to say to the community or any last piece of, uh, advice that you wanted to offer. Uh, I think just, uh, I guess as far as advice, just uh, help your child find what interests them. Let mm-hmm. them try different things. They may not know what interests them at first. Push them to try new things. That's the beauty of this. You can try it without long-term commitment. Like, yeah. take it for a semester, try it. If it's not yours, good. Move on. Try something else. But you may find some an interest that you didn't know was there. So push them to try new things. And uh, I'm just thankful 
that the homeschool community at large has been so welcoming mm-hmm. and has allowed me to be such a, a big part of it yeah. and stuff. And that's, you know, uh, I, I hope to be here for a long time and, you know, making as big a difference as I can. Definitely. So I guess that's a, that's a thanks out to all of you listeners in the homeschool community. Thank you so much. And to everybody else in the homeschool community, if, if, uh, I guess I wanted to say if, if you're not part of it yet, uh, take a look at us. We're, you know, we love to have new people join us, everybody joining us, you know, it makes us bigger. It makes us stronger. It gives us new ideas for the future. Um, thank you very much. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Uh, Mr. James, thanks for, for coming. Uh, and, uh, thank you for all my, uh, listeners, uh, have a good rest of your day. Mm